0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Freeftakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito
2: This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast.
3: Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. My name is Jeff Sharon. We have got a full house because, ladies and gentlemen of Night Nation, it is finally here. This is the moment that Murph dreams about, right? It's our 2022 Black and Gold Banneret Postseason Awards nomination show. Along with me, four of our main crew. All right, Eric Lopez is here, Kyle Nash is here, Stat Boy Drew, Drew Glukov is here, Bryson Turner's here, and we have got a bunch of awards to go through. Player of the Year, Coaches of the Year, Moments, Games, you name it. It's a long show. Buckle up. We're gonna roll with it. Okay, so here's so let's let's go ahead and get started here because I want to I want to dive in right away, just like the Oscars. Okay, let's dive into that first to that first set of awards right away. Women's team coach of the year. What a year it's been for UCF women's sports. Now here's how we're going to do this. We're going to give out the nominations, have a quick discussion about each of them. Then we are going to, over the course of the next couple of weeks, we're going to do a post on the site for each award. You get to vote. Each of us gets a vote on the Black and Gold Banner at staff. And then whoever wins the fan poll counts for one vote. And in the event of a tie, the win goes to the fan vote. Do you see what I mean by that? I see what you So Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you have power. You matter. Yes, you do matter. Why do I do that like that? Why do we do this like this? Because all you guys end up voting for football people anyway. And UCF is about more than just football. All right. So I'm just being honest with you right up front. All right. So let's dive in. Women's. Team coach of the year we have five nominees to choose from number one coach Abe yes she pieced out to Georgia but she leaves UCF the most successful women's basketball coach uh, of all time in terms of winning took UCF to the NCAA tournament where they just barely missed out on the Sweet 16 won UCF's first double in conference since the A Sundays nominee number two Cindy Ball Malone softball Almost 50 wins this year, got to the NCAA Super Regionals, hosted a regional for the first time ever. Todd Dajene, head coach UCF Women's Volleyball, another conference championship, their fourth consecutive one, all right? Uh, also made it to the second round of the NCAAs. Dana Boone, head coach of UCF Women's Track and Field, double conference championship, indoor and outdoor, national accolades all over the place. And Emily Marin, women's golf, who took her team to the NCAAs yet again, just a model of consistency for UCF sports. We will start with Eric Lopez. Eric, give me
0: your takes on the field. Who would you vote for? This is the, I mean, this is going to be a theme on this show. The women's sports this year was through the roof, probably historic. Yep. I mean, there are two coaches that made the NCAA tournament this year, and Emily Marin and Brian Kniegel, they didn't even make it. That's how deep, deep this women's, uh, all the women's sports categories are going to be this year. Uh, so, all of them in a normal year would win. That being said, only one of them had a historic season that led her team to the Sweet 16, round of 16, super regional, how you want to frame it, for the first time in program history. Hosted a regional for the first time in program history. Second most wins with 49, and finished the highest ranking program history to finish the season at 14. That's. Sydney Ball Malone, uh, UCF softball. I think she just won national coach of the year. That's my choice.
3: Uh, Kyle, we'll go with you. Your quick take.
1: Well, absolutely predictable from my guy, Elo. No shocks there. <laughs> and listen, I make that joke and I take that shot in the interest of the thank angst that I always do to bring the good radio here. Radio what here me and on. Kyle do. That's right. On the black and gold bannerette uh, and all that. But listen, I, I I agree 100% that the women's softball team program whatever you want to call it had a fantastic and historic year that's undeniable and frankly the tragedy is that these two coaches have to face each other in the same year as such however what I think is different about the women's team and all they did getting higher in the NCAA tournament than any other team before it than any other thing that's gone on so many first conference title um conference tournament and getting to a place where they won the first ACA um excuse me um NCAA tournament game in the history but at the end of the day the juggernaut that is Connecticut should have been beat if it weren't for foul shots and Gino Uriemba said himself that he himself was forever changed at the end of the day I don't know that the same happens if UCF softball team runs into an Oklahoma let's say I mean we did how that go? we lost this week so at the end of the day, because Jeff subtly, not so subtly, kind of being a peep about it, telling me to wrap up, I don't see how you don't pick Abe here. Granted, she left, and I'm sure fans will feel bad about she that. Oh. But but can we even when you consider the facilities that one has versus the other, you got to admit the women's basketball facilities here could probably use even more improvement than the uh, softball group does. They weren't respected the way the women's softball team was, and they're doing more with less... Granted, the players were all fantastic in both sports. At the end of the day, Abe had a tougher road. I'm sorry.
3: Uh, real quick, Drew.
4: Uh, now that these two very biased people are out of the way, since they each cover those respective sports, let's give someone who doesn't cover either. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be quick. I'm going with softball on this one. When you look at net, the number That's 16 buyer. national seat, that basically equates to the fourth number four seed in the NCAA tournament. Which is way higher than what uh, the the UCF women's basketball uh, achieved. Now that's not to take away from what they did because they both did first. You know, winning the first regional ever at UCF, uh, winning the first NCAA tournament game ever at UCF. Those are big things. However, when you look at the whole build of work, the regular season, the postseason tournament, into you know the NCAA tournament, I, I gotta go. I gotta go with softball on this one. They. And and Kyle, I gotta disagree with about facilities. Have you been to the softball field? Do you know where Eric Lopez has to be sometimes to do to work these games? Uh, there's facility problems at, at softball that need to be worked out. Uh, I'm not least, saying it's great. At least in basketball, they have the ability to play. You know, in in the same arena as the Mets. So I gotta go. I, I I've gotta go with softball.
2: Bryson. Uh, Well, first of all, I need to give my just dues to Dana Boone because she managed to get the two conference championships for track when they've only had one indoor title since 2013, which was the last time they had the double. She also got coaching staff of the year in both conference meets. Under normal circumstances, gentlemen, she would be a coach of the year. But this is not a normal year. Women's sports in the 50th anniversary of Title IX has absolutely gone off this year. And so... As much as I loved what Coach Abe did this year, there's only one coach in this category that actually got a national coach of the year award the first time for a UCF coach that isn't football, and that is Cindy Ball Malone. So I, I think that I have to go with the national consensus here. And while I have to give my just dues to Dana Boone, Dot tajne and Emily Marin for great years. Oh, yeah. I have to go with Ball Malone on this. I, I
4: just want to say, I agree with afraid? I oh, go, go ahead, ahead. Drew. I was saying, isn't it crazy that Todd Dashney, who won the conference four years in a row, isn't even in the top two at this point? Right.
3: I know. I'm going to, and I'll speak to his um, to his accolades as well. They just that program just keeps on chugging yet again—a fourth consecutive conference championship—and uh, coming up, going to five sets, nearly making the Sweet Sixteen themselves. A couple things go differently in that fifth set against UCLA and Pauley Pavilion, and I think it's a much closer um, bit between him. And Cindy Malone. I think personally for my, uh, for my money, Cindy gets the vote because of what she did. I think that it, I think that it really is between her and coach Abe at this point. And given how events sort of worked out, I think Cindy will probably get the nod, but again, you will get to choose ladies and gentlemen, men's team coach of the year. We have three nominees on this one, Bryce Waller, men's golf, another solid year for UCF men's golf, Greg Lovelady, baseball. Once again, Shepherded his team through a very difficult season. I thought in the very it, it, toward the very end, um, it, 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 as he you know worked his pitching staff and way to get his team in a position to where they had a shot on semifinal Saturday in the American. Gus Malzahn, head coach of UCL football, who uh, and I'll start the takes on this one. Gus, I thought is the I, I think would get um, would get my vote here because of the fact that not just in his first year at UCF all he's done not just off the field but certainly not just on the field but off the field in terms of stepping up UCF's recruiting but also the fact that after that Louisville game that disastrous end of a game where you didn't just lose the game you lost basically half of your half of your all conference level performing players including your all-star quarterback and Dylan Gabriel and still managed to MacGyver this team to a nine win season and a victory over the Florida Gators in a bowl game. First ever victory over Florida in school history. Um, I think he gets the nod here to this one. And I want to belatedly throw in also Scott Calabrese for men's soccer, who managed to shepherd his team uh, to within one late goal of an American athletic conference uh, championship. Uh, Bryson, I want to start with you.
2: I mean, if we're going to be honest here, this is going to be a toss up between Gus Malzahn and Greg Lovely. Now, I know the fans are going to vote Gus, and I completely understand why, especially considering that he himself was injured this year and he still kept going. Yeah, I forgot about that part. Uh, I know it's been a year, hasn't it? But the problem, but the thing is, is that the story of Lovely and Malzahn's teams are both very similar, where they've had to fight. injuries that are honestly much more than average that a team would have to still go on to have a very respectable season. Uh, So for me, I covered, I covered him. So I will admit a a little biased here, but again, like I said, Malzahn and Lovely are basically the same, uh, have had the same season. So I think it's a toss up either way, but I'm going to go to back for coach Lovelady because I think that the, the, that there is much more of a bounce back, that the bait that baseball had to do they had to deal with injuries to their to not only their their ace pitcher but their second pitcher and hunter patterson nick romano and much more so i just think that the big bounce back for love lady is why he he deserves it kyle
1: go to bat for love lady i see what you did there Bryson. you're too young for dad jokes but that was a good one at the end of the day you make a great point that they essentially had very similar years. At the end of the day, I got to take Malzahn and call me, by all you want for, you know, all my football paraphernalia back here. But at the end of the day, they were able to put themselves in a position to elevate the program, despite all of that, to another level nationally. At the end of the day, being able to be the first in the state of Florida to get to a bowl game and also do what they did in the Gasparilla Bowl. I got Gus. Drew?
4: Uh, I also have Gus, and I, I'll, I'll preface, you know, I do have a bias there because I do cover football, but, I mean, much to what Kyle said, I mean, the fact that, you know, this team could have laid down and died uh, behind a freshman quarterback, they did not. They rallied and, and excelled. I mean, a nine-win season, even, even with a decent team, is nothing to, to you know, to really stuff you. at. Stuff yeah. at. Uh, you know, you're, you're just on the fringe of, of double digits. That's, that's a good season. Uh, you know, yeah, the bowl game wasn't great, but that's just what your bowl contracts are. So, I mean, you really can't fault on that. But as Herman Edwards says, you play to win the game, and they've won the game. Not only did they win the game, but they looked really good winning the game. Like they, they, second half of that game, they were firmly in control. So I got to give Malzana that because it all comes down originally to coaching. If the coaches don't make the players buy in, You can be the most talented team in the world, a la the 2015 UCF football team. You can have all the talent in the world, no coaching, you're not going to win.
0: Lopez, last word. Love, lady, and Gus had exactly the same year. The difference is Gus gets the trump card because of the Florida win. Simple as that.
4: Boom. Mm. Mm.
3: There you go. Uh, One point about Gus, let's not forget the Louisville back-to-back and Louisville Navy back-to-back, basically one play away in both games from winning both of them. Mm-hmm. from win, really from winning both of them. So uh, those are our male uh, uh, or our, our men's team coaches of coach of the year nominations. Gus Malzahn, Greg Lovelady, Bryce Waller and Scott Calabrese. Let's drop it over to the assistants. They do not get enough credit, but we do here on the Black and Gold Bannerette. Uh, women's assistant coach of the year Glenn Smith uh, for women's track and field Whitney Jones in softball Jenny Maurer in volleyball, uh, Tony Bellerio in women's uh, basketball, uh, and then uh, last but not least for uh, women's soccer, Chris Cummings, the uh, goalkeeper coach for women's soccer. Um, let's go ahead and start with Bryson. I want to uh, tell us about Glenn Smith and what Glenn was able to do
2: for track and field. All right, so Glenn Smith was was brought on to be the field coach, the handing the, handling the jumps and throws and heptathletes. Dana Boone told me in our, in our in our interview after she got back from Eugene that he was the primarily responsible for bringing Brittany Floyd to UCF from UAB, where she proceeded to to break the the program heptathlon record that has stood for 19 years. We'll talk a little more about that later. She, he also brought Ashira Collins back to Oregon, where she improved. On her previous mark, and was almost a second team All-American, and then he also coached Adrian Adams, who broke the program discus throw record that has stood since 2010. So he brought more athletes with him to the to nationals, and they and all of them either improved or got school records. That's why that, that's why I'm talking about Glenn there. Eric Lopez, Whitney,
3: what, tell us about Whitney Jones and the contribution Whitney made to softball.
0: She helped uh, get Jada Cody to be an All-American, have the offensive balance with speed and power and efficiency, top to bottom, one to nine. Uh, I think that was a big, big piece of her for as far as the UCF offense and really helped them to win the conference and get to uh, the Oster Regional is a big part with Cody as the All-American. This is the second All-American in the history of the program, the first. Uh, since uh, uh, as a hitter, so I think that's the the big contributions that Whitney and allowed Cindy Ball Malone to handle the pitching by herself. Remember last year, Cindy would run the offense and some pitching. Now she's focused all on pitching because she hands it over to Whitney. Uh, Kyle,
3: Tani Valerio, and the contributions she made to women's basketball. She won this award last year.
1: Yeah, and rightfully so. Listen, she won the the award plenty last year, and then to take what was all there from the COVID year and to find that somehow find a way to even get more lift out of a super talented group. Basically everybody, except for maybe Tay Sanders had better numbers this, this year than last year. And Tay was still a big part of what's going on with the team overall. Uh, There's a reason why there's two women's basketball assistance coaches on the list, by the way. Um, Are we, are we doing votes yet or.
3: Well, I'm, I'm, I want this to be a little bit more informational. So if you want to vote for her, go ahead.
1: Now, at the end of the day, I'd still vote for Whitney Jones because of the youth. And as you as you say uh, uh, earlier, Eric, uh, the way she was able to free up ball Malone to do what it is she did. I'm also above bias. Just kidding. But, um, you know, there was still a lot to be said for how much the players on the women's basketball team elevated in a piece of their game. Coach Abe talked about it basically after every game in the post-conference about how much their identity was improved and even changed in some ways by, uh, on, on the fact that they built from that foundation the previous year.
3: Uh, real quick, as we get to the other two, I wanted to talk about Chris Cummings uh, for uh, women's soccer, the goalkeeper coach, recruiting coordinator, uh, coach Carolyn Delisle to, uh, uh, to a fantastic year, AAC goalkeeper of the year first selection to the all conference American first team uh, seven shutouts and 78 saves a career high for Caroline under the tutelage of Chris. And then for, uh, for, for Jenny Maurer for volleyball, uh, basically the offensive coordinator for UCF volleyball and the recruiting coordinator for UCF volleyball, the job she did in recruiting um, this past year uh, I think is, uh, has just been second to none um, You know, because this team has had to fill some holes and listen, there's there there are teams that rebuild and there are teams that reload Mm -hmm. and UCF volleyball has a habit of reloading. You don't win four consecutive conference championships and you're not, and you're not a favorite for a fifth one uh, without reloading for recruiting. So Jenny Maurer um, is our fifth nominee. So uh, those are our five nominees for women's assistant coach of the year, Glenn Smith, track and field, Whitney Jones, softball, Jenny Maurer, volleyball, Chris Cummings of women's soccer, and Tony Valerio of women's. Basketball, men's assistant coach of the year. We have three nominees in this category Travis Williams, the defensive coordinator for football, Ted Tom, the hitting coach for UCF baseball, and Paul Souders of men's soccer. Travis Williams, Eric Lopez, tell me about what you thought the major contribution he made to UCF this year. And Drew, I want to get your thoughts on Travis as well, since you guys both covered football.
0: I mean, Drew, I think you would agree. Travis Williams took a defense that was atrocious prior to his arrival with quite frankly not great talent of a roster and turned him into really the strength of the team by the end of the year won them some big games got them bowl eligible to me drew it travis williams i thought exceeded my expectations
4: uh absolutely not only did he excel on the field but he also excelled off the field uh, bringing this team together as we know when when coaching regimes change things can be a little chaotic and he really rose the occasion of really bringing this team together. And I think that's what really helped, you know, lead towards that nine-win season. Because as we know, if the coaching isn't there, you know, you hit it, that, that wall of adversity, you're going to crumble. And they, they broke through the wall. And that really comes down to your coaching staff. T. Will, defensive coordinator, obviously second man in the room at that point, um, did an excellent job. You know, they were in the, just outside the top 50 in defensive stats Uh, which if you look at last year is a huge, huge upgrade.
1: And don't forget how young he is too, by the way, Drew, not for nothing. Oh yeah. He's,
4: he's got a big career ahead of him and it probably won't be at UC. Someone's going to hire him as a head coach probably the next
3: few years. Oh God, please. Not too soon. I love coach trap. Ted Tom, head coach for for UCF or or, excuse me, assistant coach for UCF baseball in charge of hitting Bryson Turner. Um, Unsung hero. I thought, for that team, especially in the second half of the year, right?
2: Oh, yes, very much so. Uh, on May 25th, I did some cal- uh, calculations through the USF home series. The UCF team that was batting 276 post-USF until May 25th they were hitting 292 when pitchers like Connor Stain and Hunter Patterson went down and the pitching staff was in disarray. It was the batting who didn't have the best start to the year that came in and absolutely saved their behinds and that, and all the credit in the world has to go to Ted Tom for being able to improve that bat, that the bat of the bats to get them to that point. So Travis Williams, of course, did an amazing job this season with the defense, but I'd be remiss if we don't mention Ted Tom for this award.
3: Paul Souders for uh, UCF men's soccer. And Eric, I want your input on this one uh, as well. You know, this was a bit more of a struggle year for for men's soccer because of some transition with the loss of Cal Jennings. But they were able to figure out that offense, I think midway through the year. And he was a key part of getting uh, guys like Luca Dorado to really develop and fill that hole that Cal Jennings left.
0: Correct. Uh, he led the, the goals there, Gino Vv. And remember, you see, I have had question marks through, uh, about the goalkeeping because you know Yannick Urdo had graduated, so the offense had to pick up more of the of the of the slack. And you know, Paul Souter was able to bring Nick Taylor in a transfer out of SMU, which is a big part to that offense. So uh, you know, what's funny? A, a few years from now, when we look back at these nominees, I think you're going to see a lot of future uh, f- head coaches at that point. I mean, there's a lot of future head coaches on this on both That's women I- and men list. That's
3: why I like that we give props to the assistant coaches because we are going to see these people have head jobs somewhere else. I don't know. You never know. Some of them may be head coaches at UCF again one day, but, uh, but yeah, the, the, the UCF influence is spreading throughout the coaching world. And that's what we like to see. So there's your men's assistant coaches of the year alumni of a year. This is an award that goes to a UCF athlete who has performed uh, above and beyond expectations for the previous year as a professional athlete in their given sport. We have three, uh, excuse me, four uh, nominations. Gabe Davis, needs no introduction. Sean Johnson, NYCFC goalkeeper, won MLS Cup. Uh, Matthew Wright, who worked his way in uh, into the NFL, fought his way onto an NFL roster uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and Matty Rogers. Um, I'm going to defer to Kyle on this with Gabe Davis. Because you cover both college and the NFL.
1: I do. Yeah. And with that in mind, listen, Gabe Davis definitely belongs in consideration for this li- list. Sure, he was great as an arguable pound for pound rookie of the year performance last year. But the fact that he was such a big part of that Buffalo Bill offense, we all know about Stephon Diggs. He was a great. Uh, tertiary option, and sometimes based on injury, even a secondary option, one could possibly argue. And then by the way, how big he was when they were almost, what was it, Drew? 30 seconds away from making it to the conference championship and battling the Chiefs. And unfortunately, Patrick Mahomes went all Patrick Mahomes. But but Game Davis was a big part of that game and 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 uh making an impact for what was nearly a Super Bowl team.
4: Drew. Uh, I actually uh, think Gabe Davis is overrated uh, in this selection. And the reason why is Whoa. he had the Brandon wow. Marshall Hawaii Bowl moment. You know, Great receiver, but you know was always overshadowed by someone else until he had that one game where he became unstoppable. Now, I think this is going to springboard to an excellent 2022 season. But if you look at his 2021 regular season, he actually went down. He didn't play as much. Uh his he, yards per reception went down. His yards went down. His you know, targets and receptions were flat. He had one last touchdown. I was mean,
1: battling you know, some injuries too, you know that. He was, he was. Mm. And and just yeah, check, I mean,
4: you know, you gotta look, on, the body of work. You gotta look <laughs> at the whole body of work. And but he had his Brandon Marshall Hawaii Bowl moment against Kansas City, where he uh, was an unstoppable force of nature. And and we can't you know, immediately you know we can't eliminate that, but you gotta look at the whole body of work. And I I don't nope. I don't think Gabe Davis is the best guy uh, is the best person on this
3: list. No, no man in the history of the National Football League has caught four touchdowns in a playoff game except for Gabriel Davis. Eric Lopez, I want to talk about Sean Johnson because to me he's the dark horse in this category. I know everyone's gonna talk about Gabe and remember the game in Kansas City, but Sean is gonna get my vote because he led NYCFC to the MLS Cup. That franchise's first MLS Cup. Um, and you, you look at all the discussion around that team as they made their run in the playoffs, it all centered around Sean Johnson and how he was the heartbeat of that team. And we saw it in the, uh, in the final, uh, against Portland where he, uh, where he came up with the key stops in penalty kicks that gave NYCFC
0: The championship. There's no UCF alum right now in pro sports that's better than Sean Johnson. Uh, He's the best goalkeeper, in my opinion, in the MLS. He should be the goalkeeper for the United States team this World Cup coming up, except the U.S. national team is run by idiots, so he probably won't be. They'll make an excuse that he's too old or whatever. But he's tremendous. Uh, I think he is phenomenal and is right now, should be the guy. I will throw out, though, Matthew Wright to be a kicker. Okay, Kyle, I'm surprised you didn't, or Drew, I'm surprised neither one of you brought up Matthew Wright. I was asked to do, Gabe. I can do plenty on on. Um, well, you covered well, let's, Matthew let's, let's Wright. Yeah. Matthew
4: we, Wright yeah. we, we did what we
0: were asked. All right, well, Kyle, you covered Matthew Wright. I mean, to be a kicker in the NFL is not easy because it's a week-to-week, right? You have one bad week, you could get cut. Matthew Wright's battle to be an
1: NFL kicker. And hey, that's after all the stuff that went down with Josh Lambeau and him struggling so early, the Jags had a chance to win a game or be more competitive than them here and there and was failing. And then the pressure came. And the reason why you could argue the few wins they got under the shambles of disaster, that was the Urban Meyer regime. And I'm not including him in the year because he's already gone by then, guys. Was Matt Wright nailing a kick? Overseas. For that first win. And then, of course, some other close moments. Guys, uh, uh, Matt Wright may not even be on the roster anymore in Jacks, but he was huge to give fans something there in Jacksonville and making all of that happen.
3: hit a 56-yarder this year and was 21 for 24 uh, and was uh, money from inside of 50, missed only uh, one kick. Uh, from inside, uh, uh, from inside 50, and was uh, perfect from inside 40, 14 to 14 inside of 40. In fact, he, in his entire career, he's only missed uh, only, uh, two of his three misses have been from 50 plus. His entire career.
1: Yeah, small so, sample size, but that's Vinitari numbers.
3: That's uh, like can't argue with it. Um, uh, 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 Andrew, you also mentioned Maddie Rogers, and I wanted to, and, and let's give Maddie Rogers some props here, and I want Bryson to speak on Maddie as well.
4: Okay, I guess uh, I guess I'll start first. Uh, Maddie Rogers, Olympic uh, weightlifter. Uh, she she's actually my personal pick. Uh, one, unlike the others which are team games, this is all on you. You are you are by yourself. You have no help, no nothing. Uh, this is strictly on you. You live and die based on how you do. And while she finished sixth in the Olympics, you know, she also uh, medaled three different events uh she was silver in the world championships she hit the gold in the santo domingo which was uh it's technically the 2020 but it was done in 2021 and then in ecuador she she silvered again so i mean you you know that's not easy to do on an international level and and she did it and i think that that stands out you know my you know sean johnson very close second for me uh because you know he is one of the gold standards of you know mls goalkeeping but I, I think Rogers really rose up. Yeah.
3: Bryson, you you did a lot of coverage on Maddie during the Olympics.
2: Yes, I know it sucks because the Olympics literally happened right after last year's bannies. So I feel very so. I want to make sure that we give Maddie Rogers her due because hers was a lot further back in time than the other ones that we're talking about. But to quote her, I'm, I have this article up on TeamUSA.org right now. She quoted, "I just happened to have the worst panic attack ever." At the wrong time on the biggest stage, I could not get it back together. In a year where athlete mental health has been a huge theme, but whether it's in the Olympics or on the collegiate level, Maddie Rogers is, uh, I think, is uh, gives a personal UCF tie to that discussion. And the fact that even while she was undergoing that, she still managed to get sixth in the Olympics. She still managed to get another way up for during that entire thing. And the emotion that she had on her face was palpable that palpable. So Maddie has to be given her just dues. Even if Sean Johnson also makes a very good case.
1: And a real quick thought here, Jeff, like the the fact that we got alums and this alum category is packed the way it is says a hell of a lot for UCF in general, not for nothing.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Four alumni of the year candidates, Gabe Davis, of football, Sean Johnson of soccer, Matthew Wright of football, and Maddie Rogers in weightlifting. All right. Let's do uh, one more, and then we're going to take a break, okay? We're going to do – actually, let's do – yeah, let's do two more. All right, we're going to do the breakout athlete of the year. This award goes to an athlete who, um, from one year to the next, to this past year, made a tremendous leap uh, in terms of their performance uh, and ability – Uh, and we have five nominees for women's breakout athlete of the year jada cody of softball amber olson of volleyball destiny thomas of women's basketball latasha smith of track and justine molina of softball uh i want to start with eric lopez and the two softball athletes who were nominated jada cody and justine molina go ahead eric
0: start with molina she was the defensive player of the year in the american could go down as the greatest defensive infielder in ucf softball history always steady had the best bat in the month of april clutch and then jada cody fairly simply uh, simply had the greatest offensive season that any ucf softball players had since stephanie best played and that was a few years back say oh i don't know oh two to oh five when best played here coast uh she broke Best is 19 year record of RBI record and became the second All-American UCF. Pretty historic stuff. These two uh big uh big parts of the success.
3: And broke that record in fewer games, if I'm not mistaken. Much fewer
0: games, lesser games. They played way more games back in the day uh in 05 at double headers and things. So she broke it by like about 10 games.
3: Uh I want to shout out to uh Amber Olson, the setter, of course, who's who emerged uh, over the last few years, you know, it, it's not that you know, I think that it's not so much that she made a big leap this year, but it's that she really took control of a team that likes to run that six-two that Todd Dagenais has done for for several years. Well, this year she took over as the primary setter for UCF volleyball and uh, moved her way up the all-time uh, st- uh, up the all-time standings. Added a little bit of attacking to her repertoire as well, but this particular year, especially on defense, I thought she really diversified her game. Obviously it's, you know, it, it's, it's a harder job than you think when you're setting up players like McKenna Melville all over the place, but remember she's fourth all time in career assists. Uh, and she's got one more year to go as well. She may very well end up being uh, uh, coming pretty close to being the all time leader at UCF uh, in assists when all is said and done. So that's, so Amber Olson, once again, make getting the job done for UCF volleyball in another championship season. Um, Bryson, tell me more about
2: Latasha Smith, track and field. I will die on this hill. The only reason that we did not see Latasha Smith in Eugene was because Dana told us that there was an illness among the 400-meter relay team which includes Latasha Smith. We would have seen her in Eugene had that not happened because she managed to take both the indoor and the outdoor 400-meter school records. The Indoor record has stood since 2016. She beat it by about half a second. And then the outdoor record was set by Afia Charles in 2013. And Latasha Smith went and beat that by about point four, about four tenths of a second. Absolutely swept both of the uh, both four hundred meter indoor and outdoor, and she was part of the four by four hundred meter relay team that also took the school record, the outdoor one. And Boone has talked about how good that unit is, and Latasha Smith is a big part of that. A reason why.
3: Kyle, I know you've been waiting to talk about Destiny Thomas, and even though she is leaving, as well as many other players for UCF women's basketball, uh, as they make their transition to a different coaching staff, um, she really stepped it up this year, didn't she?
1: Oh, there's no question, and G- Jeff, look at what's going on on that starting lineup, first and foremost. The only underclassmen on it won Destiny Thomas, and let's put it this way. We all know about Masini Mas- Mas- Kama and her ability to battle down low. We know about Britney buckets, Britney Smith doing her thing, fighting and being finesse all its own. Desto isn't really one of the loud personality. Heck, she doesn't even have a social media account on Twitter. Okay, but at the end of the day, what she does is grab rebounds, and then all of a sudden, if she gets hot, she'll be able to do putbacks for offensive rebounds and get double digits. But, Jeff, in this year, she also developed an outside shot in one of her three triple doubles. She hit at least three from the outside range there. Looked really great doing it. Versatility being a third option of somebody who can be a threat to score and also grab rerounds. And why that post game was so important to free up Diamond Battles to do what she did on the outside and just what a performance in what she was able to do to elevate her offensive skill to the point where she's out there with fifth year and fourth years and juniors and just doing a great job.
3: So we have five nominees, Jada Cody of softball, Justine Molina of softball, Amber Olson of volleyball, Destiny Thomas, women's basketball, Latasha Smith, track and field. Last one before we go to a break, men's breakout athlete of the year. Four nominees, Ryan O'Keefe of football, Noah Orlando of baseball, Teddy T-Tack, men's golf, Andrew Sundeen of baseball. I want to start with Ryan O'Keefe and I want to defer to Eric and uh, Drew on this one. You know, he really, all the numbers aside, he would, he was the safety valve for, uh, for Mikey Keene. When, um, when Dylan Gabriel went down and Gus Malzahn had to hand the keys of his offense to uh, a true freshman quarterback, he needed somebody who could be his safety blanket, and that was Ryan O'Keefe. And it happened not just throughout, not just in that Gasparilla Bowl performance that we all know and remember, but throughout the season.
4: Well, I, let's let's go a little bit further back, spring game of 2021. And if you recall, I was talking about how Ryan O'Keefe was the star of the offense on the wide receiving side uh, at that time. Everyone thought you know, uh, Jay Robinson was going you know, Jay Flash was going to be the guy. He struggled with the setup and, and O'Keefe just, just took the ball and ran. Look at the numbers, team leader in receiving team leader in yards from scrimmage. The only guy with 1000 yards from scrimmage fourth and rushing. I mean, he did it all. I mean, he averaged 17 yards a carry and he had 16 carries. I mean, so it wasn't like he wasn't utilized all that much. He did everything. Not only was he the safety valve, but he became the slash. I mean, he was just all over the place. Uh, you know, you know, doing his rendition of Otis Anderson, uh, you know, th- that versatility, you know, compared to his first year where he was what, what 300 391 yards and three touchdowns turned into 812 yards, seven touchdowns. He went from zero to 274 yards in rushing. And, and, you know, because he had no rushing before under 400 yards, total offense over a thousand yards in 2021 up his touchdowns. I He's by far the most valuable player on that UCF offense.
3: Uh, Let's go to uh, baseball. And uh, Bryson, I want to uh, defer to you on both Noah Orlando and Andrew Sundine. You covered them both extensively. What's the case for the two of those guys?
2: All right. So Noah Orlando is on the more year by year. For the city! Yeah. Yes. Um, so last season, No Orlando only started eleven games, had about a one-eleven batting at, batting average. He didn't really get a lot of playing time just because there was so much going on in the in the infield, and Alex Freeland took his original spot of shortstop. This season, however, No Orlando went and got a went, had one hundred seventy-seven at bats, p- played in over fifty games, and he hit three twenty-two. Let me say that again. He went from starting thirty games and hitting one eleven, playing in thirty games and hitting one eleven, to playing in over fifty games and hitting three twenty two. That is insane! it's an insane improvement right there. In addition, he also filled in valiantly for Alex Freeland when he underwent a what underwent had his wrist injury late in the season. Freeland himself even said that he did a great job fill, filling in for him. So, in his last season in a program that he's been in for so long. Absolutely excellent performance out of No. Orlando. Now, if you want to look at a single season, you you want to look at Andrew Sundin. Andrew Sundin is or Sunny D has definitely been one of the breakout stories on this team. Love Lady said that you know he wasn't really anything special in the fall, and saying that he's saying that he was kind of still getting used to the college life as a true freshman, but through the holiday break. He said he got, he got his act together. And then once Riley wash ended up hurting his finger, he was ended up, he ended up being pushed into service at starting as, as at the catcher. And he absolutely went off getting hit after hit. I am I'm, I'm looking at the stats right now. And even in, in, in his early games, when he didn't get a hit, he still had an RBI and he got hit by a hit by a pitch. He did. He started playing in February, in February and started playing regularly in March. He did not even get a walk until may 14th that uh, is uh, a base on balls until may 14th so i think sundin i think that's he's been also been a really big breakout story from this team on a single season standpoint and so if you want to look at it from that standpoint sunny d is a perfect example of what this award entails i would honestly could go to either one of them depending on what your definition of a breakout is Men's golf, Teddy T-Tack, a senior from
3: uh, Slovakia, who was uh, probably the top contributor, or, or, or certainly one of the top contributors, for uh, UCF men's golf, along with uh, right behind Johnny Travali. Um, and uh, you know, as a senior, you know this past year, eight tournaments, scoring average of seventy one point eight eight, second on the team, uh, and, and really moved nicely into that number two slot in that rotation for head coach Bryce Waller. And uh, UCF, you know, moving up, move, moving up his uh, season scoring average from 74.17 last, uh, last season to 71.88. Can't beat that. Uh, had a 54-hole uh, at the Hartford Hawks uh, Invitational, minus eight. One top five, two top tens, three top 20s, and unanimous all AAC uh, conference selection. Uh, so there's your nominees for breakout athlete of the year on the men's side. Ryan O'Keefe, Noah Orlando, Andrew Sundeen, Teddy T-Tack. We're going to take a quick break. I know we're trying to move. We got a lot of awards that we got to get to still. When we come back, we're going to do a few more individual awards. Then we're going to get to the fun ones, which is the teams and the moments and the games that are going to be a lot of fun for us to relive. Stick around. I'll be right back. It's the Black and Gold Bannerette podcast. Back after this.
2: Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com.
3: Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Full house on hand for our 2022 Black and Gold Banneret Award nomination show. I'm Jeff Sharon. We got Eric Lopez. We got Drew Glukoff. We got Kyle Nash. We got Bryson Turner. Let's roll on. We got a few more individual awards that we're going to send out the nominations for. Remember, folks, you will be able to vote for these over the next couple weeks on our site, blackandgoldbanneret.com. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Banneret underscore SBN, for when these awards each come. We're going to release two a day. Fans, remember, you get to vote on these awards. Your winners will count as one vote, and you will be the tiebreaker vote. In the event of a tie, each of us on the staff will have a vote as well. All right. So let's move on with some more individual awards. Senior of the year, we have men's and women's. This is not necessarily somebody who was the greatest performance performer of the year, although they may have been but was a key senior leader somebody who we really who at the, at the end of the at the end of their career really stepped it up and was admired at the end of the, at by the end of the season. We'll start with the men. Cole Schneider for football, Noah Orlando for baseball, Teddy Teatack for men's golf, Mauricio Villalobos for men's soccer. Now we talked a little bit earlier uh, just before the break about what Teddy Teatack and Noah Orlando did for their respective sports. So we'll keep them up there. Uh, But let's talk about Mauricio Villalobos, Eric Lopez, men's soccer. Once again, you know, this was a bit of a transitional year for them, and they came so close to making the NCAAs as
0: as the conference champion. And uh, Mauricio, I thought, was a key part of that. He was a captain. He was a guy that always spoke to the media, wins or losses. And there were some tough losses in particular this year. But you mentioned it. This is a guy that's part of a group that won two conference championships, two Sweet 16 runs. Uh, in a row 19 and then of course in 21. So uh, the stats don't tell the story about him. His legacy will live there. It's part of this great run that UCF men's soccer is under. Cole Schneider.
3: Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to defer to Kyle and Drew both uh, on this one, by the way, a game winning goal against SMU for, from ratio as well uh, earlier this year, but uh, you guys have both been tooting Cole's horn all throughout the year, you know, in your, in both of your journeys of covering UCF football How key was he as a senior, not just, you know, on the field, but off the field as well? Kyle, start with you.
1: I mean, how close we might have been to pick Sam Jackson had he played another year. But listen, take nothing away from Cole. I think even Drew will agree his versatility on the offensive line and talking to him in the interview. We had a few months back here on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. You knew the personality was to learn anything and do anything he could for the squad. When Matt Lee got hurt, the great talent he is arguably the best player at his position on the offense Cole Schneider filled the gap nicely to make sure he had time to recover and his leadership efforts helped make that line a thing and Drew I think you'll agree he was a key aspect of the run blocking that took place and made the difference in that Gasparilla Bowl right?
4: Oh, absolutely. You know, he may not be the best you know, overall player, but I mean, his versatility cannot be, you know, discounted, you know, Matley. Not only did he start one game at the center, but he had to spell Matley a few times during the year when when Matt was just too beat up to play, and they had to pull him out. But I mean, he he earned accolades. He was you know honorable mention all AAC from the league coaches. He got second team from uh, Pro Football Focus, 13th from Phil Steele. Uh, he played in the Hula Bowl, you know, in, in, at UCF. He was you know he he had a lot of action, and you know the fact that he's out there, you can see it. That that helps Bill because as you know, Kyle stat numbers with offensive line they don't you can't you can't really you know the only thing you can really you know stat them for is how other players excel. Indeed. You know, we talked about how strong the running game is. You know, you had two players over 700 yards with with Richardson and Bowser. That doesn't happen without explosiveness at the, at the line. And you know, you're a guard mostly. So you got to open those you know the, the working on the ones and the three holes. Uh, yeah. without that, you've got no inside run game. And that's what Isaiah Bowser was known for. So obviously he played a big role in that.
1: And Hey, that's the reason why he's wearing cheese color clothes up in green Bay. Last I heard in OTAs.
3: All right. Well, you got uh, your four nominees right there. Teddy T Tac for men's golf. No Orlando for baseball for men's senior of the year, along with Cole Schneider of football and Mauricio Villalobos of men's soccer women's senior of the year. We have five nominees in this category from three different sports. We have two for softball, two for volleyball, and one for women's basketball. Masani Kaba for women's basketball. Uh, the two for volleyball, Anne-Marie Watson and Narissa Moravik, and softball, Gianna Mancha and Denali Shapaker. I want to uh, start with Kyle and Masani Kaba and the job that she did this year as UCF's um, best post player, I, th- I thought. Even though she didn't win an award, she was still the starter on the team and got herself... Uh, a look in the WNBA uh, for her efforts, particularly in her senior year.
1: In Chicago, absolutely. I don't think she's still on the roster, but she did get that look. And hey, by, by the way, I like the point you make about her versatility, Jeff. Maybe she didn't win a reward, an award, but she did get her thousandth point in this season on her way out as a swan song. And listen, as versatility go, goes, the mix of pure brute strength and, and, and grit, maybe not as strong as Destiny Thomas, but better shooter and maybe not as graceful as Britney Buckets Britney Smith but a lot more of a battler and a leader on the team. And listen, she was phased by nothing. When things got hot, a lot of times Masini Kamba would get in the heads of her opponent by maybe jaw with them, Maybe like, like you like to see from CJ Walker sometimes, Jeff, on the men's side and doing that sort of thing to intimidate the other side, to show the Gina Oiema's squads out there in Connecticut or anybody else who is posing a threat that they will not be denied and they will try to out-physical you if, if if they cannot outshoot you, as Coach Abe used to put it, pretty ball. May not be their style, and the tip of that spear was masni Kamba to bring that physicality, regardless of what Diamond Battles did on the stat sheet.
3: Eric Lopez, we have two softball players on this roster, which makes it always hard to choose between the two because I always <laughs> tend to think that they might steal votes from one another. Gianna Mancha in the circle, Denali Schaapacher at the plate and in the field. How significant were they to this team that made the Super Regionals?
0: Super, uh, very significant, Giano is an all-region player, the ace of this team, continuing the legacy of great UCF pitchers through a couple of no-hitters. In fact, she had three no-hitters for a career, which only Kime, Turnier, Audis have done as far as having multiple no-hitters. So you're in great company there. Uh, and then you have Denali Schapacher, who's in the top 10 in every significant offensive category in the history of this program, 200-plus hits in her career, Right field armed, all conference performer, great batting. that can hit small ball, can, you know, get on base, great on base player, uh, two big, big part leaders uh, on this team and helping their success and having success. Jana has been successful everywhere she's played and shot really a great run. And she'll still be at UCF by the way, working at the uh, UCF sports medicine department.
3: Yeah. I just saw that she's going to be, and she's going to be interning uh, there yep. and obviously working with softball. So I just saw that came down uh, this past week. Uh, we wanted to uh, give a, sh- give shout outs to uh, as well, two volleyball players on this list, Anne Marie Watson uh, in her fifth and final year, of course, the Oviedo native uh, who spent all these seasons, you know, on the other side of McKenna Miller was sort of an unsung hero, but really came into her own this past year, ABCA, all region, uh, 306 kills, 44 digs, 130 blocks. Um, just a remarkable year. It, I highly encourage everyone to read Bryson's feature on her Haggerty High School graduate Bryson Turner talking to Haggerty High School graduate Anne Marie Watson, and then Narissa Moravic, who finished among the UCF's leaders all time in blocks. And what, And again, you want to talk about unsung hero? Didn't always put up you know huge numbers, but she was a human wall up front for uh, UCF. Um, led the uh, conference this past year with 1.34 blocks per set in all 34 matches. All conference, second team, 141 kills, uh, and, and just a remarkable career for uh, Narissa Moravik uh, as she finished up uh, her time uh, at UCF. One other note about Amory Watson, too, that uh, that Bryson just dropped me finishes top 10 all time in kills and blocks at UCF. Just a remarkable job by her. So there's your nominees for Women's Senior of the Year Gianna Munch and Denali Schaupacher of. Uh, softball, Amory Watson, Narissa Morovic, volleyball, and Masi Kaba women's basketball. Let's move to the youngsters. Freshman of the year. We start with the women. Softball, Ashley Griffin and Michaela Mercario. Women's tennis, Sophia Biolet. And women's golf, Zoe Allow. Uh, this is going to be, uh, let's go again to Eric Lopez here to, for those two softball nominees. Listen, you are the softball guru. And You get plenty of airtime when that team makes the Super Regionals. Again, it's one thing to talk about the seniors that we talked about, right, Eric? It's another thing to talk about the freshman
0: contributions that these
3: players made in their first years in black and gold.
0: No doubt. And both play positions, of very important positions. we start with Macario, the shortstop position. That was the big question. Who was going to be in the shortstop position? And for a freshman to take over and shine like Macario did, it was fitting that she would make the last catch to win the regional winning freshman of the year in the American. And then Ashley Griffin, catching you know Carissa ornella's transfer to oregon who's going to be behind the play well jada cody's catching gianna mancha who's catching the other pitchers well that's ashley griffin and she grew as the year went on not to mention big power in the middle of the lineup had a great postseason hit the walk off against south carolina in the regular season that turned the game around helped in a winning she really just grew and i think has got a shot has a great future at ucf it will be a big big middle of the bat lineup with cody and doherty for the next couple of years Bryson, I want to move to uh, we haven't done much
3: on women's tennis this year, but, you know, Sophia Bale, uh in a year that, you know, that once again, UCF made it to the NCAA tournament. Um, and Sophia was uh, was a key player in that uh, as a freshman uh, came in from Reims, France and really contributed well for them.
2: Oh, yes. I remember when I talked to head coach Brian Kanyako, when we talked to him before the season started, and he told us that both freshmen that were in this year, Sophia and fellow freshman Noel Saitanova, they arrived in the U.S. just before the season started because of the issues with uh, getting passports because of COVID-19 pandemic backing things up. So they didn't have much time to warm up with the rest of the team yet Sophia Biole managed to go out and have a very impressive freshman year going nine and five in singles play. But her, um, but what's all majorly impressive is her doubles pair with Nandini Sharma, which where Biole went 17 and five in doubles play on, on her own. But with, with Nandini Sharma, they went 16 and four absolutely dominated. In the du- in the doubles play with women's tennis and with all the women's athletes as big as they they've been, Sophia biole definitely was one of the top freshmen out there this season.
3: Another French woman, this time on the women's golf side, zoe Olya She's from uh, Narbonne, France, uh, and competed uh, in all eleven events as a freshman this past year for UCF, hitting an average of seventy-three. Really good for a freshman. Uh, Dropped a, a minus 7.65 at the Bryan National Collegiate. That was her best performance of the year. Uh, and finished with two top 10s and seven top 20s. Member of the French national team uh, coming over to play for UCF. She's going to be fantastic as the years go by. So there's your four nominees for women's. We'll call it newcomer of the year, actually, because uh, as we have uh, at, uh, Sophia BLA, Zoe Zoya Lowe, uh, Michaela Macario, and Ashley Griffin. Yep. Relatively new, yeah. Yep. Go ahead, Bryson.
2: Um, I just wanted to mention that 65 that you mentioned that Zoe Low got tied mm-hmm. for the lowest 18-hole score in program history. That's pretty. Good. As a freshman, that was her not second bad. event. That was her second That's event too, wasn't it? The Brian National. Yeah, not League.
3: bad. Yeah. So, <laughs> Zoe Low. Wow. Men's freshman of the year. We have four nominees. Two of them for baseball: Lex, uh, Lex Bodecker and Andrew Sundeen. One for men's basketball, Darius Johnson, and one for football, Mikey Keene. We'll start with Drew. All
4: right, let's talk, Mikey. About, let's talk, Mikey let's talk about Mikey Keene. Let's talk about Mikey Keene. He had to start uh, after Dylan Gabriel got knocked down the very end of Louisville, so he obviously didn't play that. But, uh, you know, this guy, true freshman, gets thrown into the fire and has to lead this team because there, there wasn't much else to work with. I mean, Joey Gatewood was more of kind of a runner – And and as we saw later, uh, so was uh, Parker Navarro. Uh, So, you know, Mikey came thrown into fire. Let's see what he's done. Never lost at home. Won six out of his last seven games and even said that the game started slowing down for him and his play showed. He had one real bad dead of a game against Memphis at UCF still won. Uh, But you go after the Temple game in uh, the end of October. So you had two more months. He threw zero interceptions after that game on October 30th. That, you know, that's five games right there. And including the, the bull win against Florida, you know, very, very good holding on to the ball. Uh, and, it, you know, you don't expect that out of a true freshman. Uh, so uh, I think he's very much a fair candidate on this and, you know, just on a little bit of bias, he's my vote because he got thrown in the fire and, and had to lead an entire offense.
3: After that Memphis game drew. 12 touchdowns, one interception for Mikey Keene, true freshman.
4: Right. He did have five in that Temple game uh, where he had that last interception. But but after that, never threw another pick the rest of the year. Uh, you don't expect that out of an 18-year-old.
3: Yeah. Uh, Bryson, let's talk a little baseball. Let's talk about uh, Lex Bodecker and uh, Andrew Sundin. You talked about Sundin already in a, in a previous category, but – What did Lex Bodecker do this year? That was key for UCF.
2: I'm telling you what, this is one of those uh, Lex Bodecker is one of those players in a, in a year of personalities and stories on this baseball program, Ben McCabe, having a slow start coming up, that sort of thing. Lex Bodecker was one of the quieter players on this team yet. He quietly went to hit hit the second highest batting average on the team of someone that has more than 150 at-bats. He batted 188 times. He hit a batting average of 330, 330, and only one that hit higher batting average than him was Jeffrey Pena, and Lex, he went, he started a good amount of the games he played. And from like the word go, Bodecker was in there a lot of the time. He played first base for a bit when Nick Romano got, when Nick Romano was got hurt. He But then he really found a home out there in left field. And he was just kind of quietly just raking it. And I mean, It's unfortunate that, you know, that, you know, he's not mentioned a lot more when when you have people like Sonny D who broke out the way he did, or Jeffrey Pena being the speedster, um, or Connor Stain and Hunter Patterson being dominant on the bound. But Lex Bodeker has, when you look at the numbers, has quietly had an amazing first season with this baseball program. And I'm very, and I'm very glad that left field is in very good hands with him.
3: Kyle, Darius Johnson was a highly touted recruit, and boy, he looks to be living up to the hype, doesn't he, for men's basketball. Couldn't
1: put it better that he is, Jeff. And listen, second on the team in assists, yeah, I know it's because he's a point guard, but when it's a situation where you have... When you have uh, Darius Perry in there ahead of you, the the, uh, statesman as senior doing his thing to watch Darius Johnson come and make himself in a position to make Perry more of a shooting guard at times, took over the team. And I mentioned his stats of having three assists per game and all of that. If you're not impressed by that, fine. How about the fact that there is a particular moment that exemplifies it better than no other? Senior, captain, center, seven-footer, Chikimbake Jean rolls out to the top to start a play and Darius Johnson just waves him off. And <laughs> I
3: knew you were gonna bring court, that one up.
1: Waves him. Of course, you have to, Jeff. And just the leadership he exhibited as a young man. Listen, you could be hyped and have a bazillion points, but to be a leader that quickly and to command a guy that's what at least a full foot taller than you <laughs> on off the court in, in, in a game like that, that they did eventually win. And by the way, the play in question, he also took it to the rack himself to get two points on the layup. That's what that is a great. Um, exemplary moment for what Darius Johnson was this year and uh, what a place to build on for him to be a big deal next year uh, basketball program
4: you
3: know it was my favorite part of that play it wasn't so much Darius waving Mbake off it was Mbake kind of looking at him like all right (laughs) (laughs) all right you got it go for it son uh, so there's your, uh, freshman of the year, Mikey Keene, Lex Bodecker, Darius Johnson, Andrew Sundin. I'm going to try and not screw up the order this time when we talk about transfers of the year, we're going to do women and then men, uh, women's transfer of the year. This category is going to get a lot more, uh, play, I think as the time goes by with the portal and everything, but, uh, mm-hmm. we got four really strong, uh, uh nominees in, uh, uh, in each of these awards. First for the women Kayla Woodall in softball. From volleyball, Claudia Dillon. From track, Brittany Floyd. And from softball, Janisha Rowe. I'm going to defer once again to Eric Lopez on both Janisha Rowe and Kama Woodall, who were tremendous contributors to UCF this year. Eric, in the portal.
0: Yeah, Janisha Rowe coming over from Florida Gulf Coast, starting at center field. Kira Clarkowski had been the center fielder for four years, graduated. You didn't know what you were going to get at center field, and here she plugged in, hitting the top of the lineup most of the year. Great glove at center field. I mean, it was just nothing you could hit in center field would drop. But then when you look at Kmall Woodall, and I've made this comment Kmall Woodall is to UCF softball what Mike Hughes is to UCF football. No UCF athletes have made the big impact in a one and done year as far as a transfer, like a, or somebody transferred from another school like Mike Hughes did in football in 2017 and Kmall Woodall did in 2022. If Kmall Woodall is not on this UCF softball team, they don't win the conference regular season title or the tournament. None of that happens because she filled her role as the one, two punch there with Gianna Mancha. She is the Mike Hughes of use of softball. Yeah. I mean, well, we'll talk more
3: about came in a little bit in the next segment when we get to performance of the year, but uh, you mentioned Johnny Shero as well. I mean, what a year that she had as well, but I think you're totally right about came. It's, Man, what a performance she had! But I want to I want to shout out Claudia Dillon here for UCF volleyball, who was a very quiet transfer. I think for this program, came in as a middle blocker, six foot two, out of Evergreen, Colorado. Previously, but previously played in the SEC at Mizzou. Came in and was a real stalwart up front, uh, defensively for this this team that was one of the best blocking teams in the country. All conference first team as middle blocker, two hundred seven kills, third on the team uh 2.65 points per set uh 98 blocks this year and was uh and was what i thought was really cool at one point this year she was named the defensive player of the week one week and then the offensive player of the week in the conference the next uh and also was a surprisingly good uh server 33 aces uh on the team so she's a lot more um you know she's we usually think of middle blockers as kind of one trick ponies just stand there and jump up all conference first team what can you what can you say about uh, about uh claudia dillon that hasn't been said at least for this year i'm glad she's coming back for one more year uh and then uh, uh bryson you have made the case for uh britney floyd who came in uh and really contributed mightily for ucf track and field this year
2: Oh yes, very much. I mean, Brittany Floyd has came come in, and I would argue redefined the expectations for multi athletes here at UCF. She she broke the pentathlon school record in the indoor season. She broke a pentathlon record that has stood since two thousand and nine, and she and she ended up beating it by about two hundred points. And then in the outdoor, she beat a pent a heptathlon record that has stood since 2003 and she beat it by about four about 400 points and oh yeah she she ended up going to Eugene for it as well so I mean and, and, and to, to put it in perspective like doing a pentathlon or heptathlon doing these multiple track events in the span of like one or two days is extremely hard to do on on your on your body and really exhaust exhaustive and britney floyd just completely redefined what those multi-athletes are doing uh she was working with natalia madison who is a younger multi-athlete on there and she was putting up numbers in the heptathlon in around brit around britney's neighborhood she was she's actually third has it has the third highest career high all time in the heptathlon so working with so i think floyd has very much impacted multi-athletes in the track and field program for years. All right. Women's transfer of the year nominees. Once again, Kama Woodall of
3: softball, Janisha Roa of softball, Claudia Dillon of volleyball, Brittany Floyd of track and field. That takes us to the men's transfer of the year Four nominees. Once again, from men's soccer, Nick Taylor, from men's basketball, Mbake Jong from baseball, Connor Stain and from football, Brandon Johnson. Kyle, I want to start with you and Brandon Johnson of football, uh, who comes from a family that's known for catching things, uh, being the son of former uh, Major League Baseball all-star catcher Charles Johnson. Um, you know, didn't put up a lot of huge numbers in Tennessee, but man, when he came to UCF, he broke out into a touchdown machine, didn't
1: he? Absolutely that. I mean, listen, at some point they figured out that Ryan O'Keefe was a big deal and maybe we should double him and pay a lot of attention. And boy, did that set the table for opportunities for Brandon Johnson. The way he seemed to find the end zone in big moments did great things for the squad. And overall, by the way, his ability to do things away from the ball, like, hey, the reason why he got the rock is because he could block. I love this physicality uh, for a guy of his size doing a lot of good things there too. I, uh, you know, one could say what they will about, Big Cat Bryant, who, in my opinion, underperformed his hype. Brandon Johnson came in and did a fantastic job in the receiver core.
3: Yeah. Uh, Connor Stain for baseball, Bryson Turner. um, He had dozens of scouts at one point looking at
2: him, didn't he? Oh, yes, very much. I would not be. I would absolutely be shocked if he didn't get drafted, even with the injuries that have hampered him this season, which, by the way, in my opinion, one of the biggest what ifs on the baseball team this year is what if Connor Stain wasn't hurt? Because with his early performances that he was clocking in, he had ten strikeouts in that win in his in that win against number two Ole Miss. He had eight. He also had an eight strikeout performance in USF. He did not give up more than two hits until April eight. I mean, his, uh, his, absolutely insane how well he did. It's just unfortunate that the, his back injury and then a blister on his finger kind of derailed him a little bit. But I mean, with the performances that he did put out, he was, he's definitely a good choice for this award.
3: Uh, one other men's transfer we need to talk about, Kyle uh, Shek Mbaka Jong, who came over from um, UNLV and, was the quintessential rim protector for this team and brought some swag on the floor as well.
1: Yeah, no, I like that. You mentioned it. We, we talk about CJ Walker, bringing that attitude, the swag that Sheik can does listen. He dropped the Dikembe Mutombo swing on his first block of the season. The double. Yeah. Oh, did he do it? Did he do a double have yeah, this right. Yeah. And Hey, listen, Props to our good friend Eric DeSalvo for giving us the gift of that, by the way. But at the end of the day, um, he when when needed at times, he could put up eight to ten points uh to carry the carry the load as well if concentration was brought to CJ Walker. And as a as a transfer coming in to become a captain of the squad, an off-time show, a ton of grit. To do what he can for a UCF team who, frankly, could be outsized a lot. It could be him versus a few bigs that are. It makes it a heck of a battle uh, under the glass. Sheik and John was an excellent presence to bring things not only on the floor but then to keep things um, uh, fresh and going as a captain as well, with at times a freshman point guard even being wise enough, for example, to let him take it to the hall, as we talked about earlier. But yeah, Sheikin Bakkejan was not only a force to reckon with and be intimidating, he had um, a a great presence and voice after the game as well in press conferences to uh, portray the message that his team was uh, uh, working under as they went through the season.
3: Last nominee, Nick Taylor for Men's Soccer. You know, it's not every. It's not all the time that you see a guy who transfers in from an in-conference competitor, especially one who's pretty good, as SMU has been over the last few years. But uh, Nick came in from SMU, uh, and fit in like a glove with this team, setting up the offense. Uh, was all-conference second team. Uh, finished with uh, played or, or start, uh, started in sixteen of UCF's seventeen matches this year, uh, and set the table like crazy nine assists that's tied for the eighth most eighth most in a single season in UCF history just three short of tying the uh program record uh 18th in the nation with nine assists on the season like we mentioned uh and was 10th in the nation in assists per game at 0.56 uh and uh helped UCF uh got his got a goal in the uh, semis as well and was so good in fact that the Orla- that orlando city took a shot on him with the 74th pick of the mls super draft not just the regular draft the super draft uh, and uh boy we were lucky to have him for the one year that we did uh at ucf so there's your men's transfers of the year brandon johnson for football connor Stane for baseball checking back jong for basketball and nick taylor for soccer Last individual award before we go to a break, we're going to do the comeback athlete of the year. This goes to an athlete who maybe suffered uh, an injury or, uh, or another circumstance who missed some significant time or really was in doubt of having a good season this past year and achieved that comeback status. Uh, This is, this one's always a little subjective, but we love it because it always makes for great stories from women's basketball Diamond battles from softball, Kennedy Circe from baseball, Alex Freeland, and from football, Trillion Coles. Drew Trillion Coles didn't exactly put up the wildest numbers in the world, but the mere fact that he was just able that he was able to take the field at all after what he's been through with that Achilles injury he suffered uh, is certainly merits uh, a, a lot of attention here, doesn't it?
4: Absolutely, and not only that, but I mean, just you know. The story itself is what really carries it. You know, he was a, a walk-on uh, to UCF, played a little bit back in 2019. Uh, you know, Achilles tendon injury, you know, those were, those were pretty bad. Those had very long recovery, missed all of the 2020 season. And shortly before the 21 season started, he gets put on scholarship. He gets on the field during the, the game against uh, Bethune-Cookman, 11 rushes, 78 yards, and gets gets a touchdown. And then he, he also had a receiving touchdown, so that kind of that, Hey mom, I did it moment. And, and you, know, you know, while he doesn't have the numbers that a diamond battles has uh, that doesn't make the adversity of having to come back from that kind of injury, any less uh, appealing of a story and just going from walk on to, to scholarship to scoring the touchdown kind of hitting that moment uh, actually resonates a lot with me personally from my own sports history, where I never got to that part. I missed out on injury. It never came back. He got there, and, and you got to give a lot of respect for guys who go through that kind of recovery from an injury, a bad injury at that.
2: Bryson Alex Freeland make the case. Okay, so this comes in the form of a midseason comeback, but I argue that it is a that it deserves this award because of the grit, the, the, the visual grit that Alex Freeland displayed here. He exit, He ended up going out with a wrist injury on in, on April 15th against East Carolina, and he tried to play through it. You, looking back at that footage, you can tell that he wanted to keep playing, and the trainers checked on him, and he still played, but then uh, they ended up determining that he had to come out. He was out for a month, a month, Jeff, uh, Jeff and, he, and then he came back in the last week. Jeff told, like uh, Greg Lovely told me, uh, I remember, that he was kind of 50-50 shot for the last series and they wanted him to come back for the tournament. He came back against Cincinnati against Cincinnati and he still and he still and he still ended up performing. He actually what ended up getting a hat so much so that his standout performance, he had a two home run game. In their loss in the semifinal against Houston. Like, there's, you can talk about the reasons that UCF lost that second semifinal game against Houston, but Alex Freeland was not one of them. And you can tell after his last at bat, the way he was grabbing his wish, he was in pain, Jeff, but he came back anyway, and he did that. So I know you can, I know people can talk about, oh, it has to be a previous season, but this midseason comeback and the grit that Freeland had to go through in order to do that. I'm sorry. I, I I think he deserves it for, for this.
3: Eric Lopez, tell us about Kennedy Searcy. What did she come back from, and why do you think she would deserve this award?
0: Tore an ACL. She tore last April in Greenville, ended her season. UCF never really was the same team without her. So they've won over 80% of games that she's started since she's been at UCF. Didn't get cleared to play until uh, the week of opening week of the season against Georgia. It was a couple days beforehand that she got cleared, and even then was only cleared to DP, couldn't play the field right away. Eventually, not only does she play the field, she excels at third base. She comes back better than ever, hits all uh, uh, is all-conference performer, and really filled a big hole for them because it allows Jada Cody to catch, and she got to play third base. All of that coming from a torn ACL, and she even admitted to me and Bryson throughout the year, she wasn't a hundred percent until really at the end of the year, you know, fully. Uh, So I think the best is still to come from Kennedy Searcy, but you know, considering how there wasn't a lot of high expectations about her going into the season because of that injury recovery. It's uh, it's been pretty remarkable. Uh, diamond battles, Kyle Nash. We saw her
3: get carried off the floor in that NCAA tournament game last season and I think all of us had that pit in our stomach watching that thinking oh my god we're not going to see diamond battles for another year not only does she come back straight away from recovering from that injury but is the conference defensive player of the year and conference overall player of the year yes we're going to miss her as she makes her way up to Athens but what a performance this year
1: Absolutely. And listen, as I was gearing up to cover the women's basketball for the first time, uh, Elo himself kind of prepped me and prepped me. Hey, you're going to talk to Diamond. Um, she got injured. You know, let's see. I'll talk to her about that. See what she's going to do about recovery and how that feels. To be honest, in talking to her, I didn't even bring it up because she was that raring to go already. <laughs> and in the, listen, the, the first lo- uh, loss of the year where they faced Tennessee and nearly beat an SEC squad, I might add, while they struggled as a team i asked coach Abe that night well uh what was you know there was a close match we talked about what fell wrong what was the high point of your team in a single word without hesitation diamond diamond was there with me. she was the one that was consistent and game in and game out She was a force defensively she was a force offensively she could take it to the hole she could shoot it from three she could pass the dang ball and every scouting report Diamond Battles with name on the list. And, Jeff, here's the thing about it. What resonates most with her is the fact that she's an influencer as a leader for her team, of course. But when other UCF athletes, regardless of gender, talk about who they emulate as a performer overall, they mention none other than Diamond Battles. And, dang it, while the opportunity was missing here in Orlando, I hope she gets an NIL with a jeweler somewhere because that's a missed opportunity. Dang it.
3: Such a missed opportunity. I'm not going to lie to you. Well, she did get some jewelry this past year. Diamond Battles, Kennedy, Searcy, Alex Freeland, Trillion, Coles, Comeback Athletes of the Year. Remember, folks, you can vote on this and all of our awards over the next couple of weeks on Black and Follow us on Twitter, Banneret underscore SBN. Uh, all right. Take a break. and we come back, we got a lot to still get to. And this is going to be the fun part of the show. Game of the year, story of the year, play of the year, moment of the year, individual performances, and of course, athlete and team of the year as we wrap up the 2022 Black and Gold Banneret Awards here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Stick around, we are back after this. We are back here for the 2022 black and gold banner at awards nomination show. I'm Jeff Sharon. We have the full crew here, Eric Lopez, Bryson Turner, Andrew Glukov and Kyle Nash. And we are moving to the, what, what I think is like the, the momentum really going to pick up now as we move to the more of the team and moment and things that happened awards. Uh, and we're going to start with the game of the year. We've split this off into men's and women's this year. Uh, we will start with the men's game of the year. Uh, we have four nominees. Two of them are football games. Number one, the Gasparilla Bowl, UCF defeating Florida. Number two, the Boise State opener, which happened so early that probably hardly any of you watched it. No, you all watched it. Um, we have uh, baseball's victory, one nothing victory over number two Ole Miss. Ole Miss in the championship series, by the way. Uh, and men's basketball's victory over the Michigan. Wolverines at home, Juwan Howard and company. Um, Let's start with uh, that Boise state game, because that was really, you know, I I went back and look at the highlights of that game and, and Kyle, I'll start with you, or or, excuse me, Drew, I'll start with you on this one. The, the, when you go back and look at, you're down 24 seven and UCF comes back. I thought this really could have been, you know, all the sour, the sourness that we have, the, the fans have towards Dylan Gabriel, Boy, it did not exist, exist that night because we thought we were going to see a brand new, much more diversified quarterback out there with that game. And what a way for Gus to make his UCF debut. Of course, the weather was a factor delaying the game. But, wow, if you stayed up for it, it lived up to the hype.
4: Well, uh, you say delay. I mean, delay is a kind of understatement for what actually happens. Two <laughs> hours and 45 minutes worth of delay. Uh, Every time, you know, they start getting ready to go up more lightning, there's another 30 minute delay. So I, both teams were thrown off by this, but Boise State exploded out of the gate. They had a 14-0 first quarter lead. I mean, it looked like everything was just falling apart. Uh, But, you know, as you said, Dylan Gabriel had himself uh, a pretty good game, 300 yards passing, uh, four touchdowns, uh, threw a couple picks. But I I think one of the things that we talked about many times when he was first a freshman in 2019 was the fact he wasn't running. Then in 2020, you saw him move with the ball more. 12 carries, 64 yards. I mean, with a long of 23, uh, he, he was able to, to take it and run. But this was also the exploding coming out party of one Isaiah Bowser. Hmm. 33 carries, 172 yards, and a big touchdown uh, that, that helped propel to a 36-31 game. This was a statement game. Or for Isaiah Bowser that established him as, as a, a fan favorite among the team as well as the number one guy. Uh, we also saw, you know, uh, Jalen Robinson had himself a good game, uh, Brandon Johnson had had a touchdown on his debut as a transfer. Uh, you know, this was a game of momentum. And, you know, much like we saw with, with UCF early after the Louisville game, you know, momentum stopped, things weren't looking good. They picked up and they kept going. It was almost a microcosm of the entire season.
3: Yeah, you know, I'm glad we still managed to get the victory that night, though. It would have been a, a real waste if we lost. Staying up that late, wasn't it? Um, still, one of, uh, that's got to be one of my favorite games, really, of all time. But I'm with the people who say that. You know, hey, look, there's some real history when UCF beat Florida in the uh, in the Gasparilla Bowl. Uh, in Tampa, in, in the state of Florida, third matchup all time between these two schools, a nice one, 29-17 um, in the game where it, it really was, I think, a, a pure team effort, Eric Lopez. One of my favorite uh, stats from this game, Elo, is the fact that uh, this was, uh, let's see, I had, uh, uh, it was the first time that, Florida lost to a team from the state of Florida, other than Miami or Florida state since Stetson in 1938. Uh, it speaks. Credit, a
0: bunch of, yeah. Credit I mean,
3: to Andrea Adelson for that stat, but wow. What a night that was for the program.
0: Well, it shows how much gutless Florida is as far as playing teams in general, but um Hey, Uh look, obviously look, this made UCF's football season. This was like, all the negativity or issues or however you want to, you know, look back at UCF football, see kind of got erased with the Florida win hugely big for Gus Malzahn. Don't and, and really, I think uh, for those that maybe had lost confidence after the first year was shaky for whatever reason, whether you agree with it or not, I'm not saying you have to agree with it or to take that win was huge. And obviously with everything that played out, tribute to Otis and everything absolutely was big. It was a uh, Kyle. This is why bowl games work because Teams like bowl games because it's a second chance in a season if things don't go well uh, during the year. And this is the perfect example. This is a game. This is going to be the game and moment and that will be remembered anytime you think of the UCF football season come 2021.
1: And, hey, listen, I could argue this might be the best-performing Gasparilla Bowl for some time to come as far as attendance. I don't see a way it gets better than this.
0: Draw big numbers, too, on television, mm-hmm. over 3 million on that. Uh, and, look, the performance in that second half, in that fourth quarter where they – Dominated the line of scrimmage against Florida and SCC. Yeah, physically team, that physically was big one. Yeah. beat
3: them. Physically beat yeah. them. That was so satisfying to watch. Uh, I want to go to uh, uh, Bryson here and talk about that baseball win against number two, Ole Miss. You, know, you talk about drama, all right? Number two team in the country coming into town. It was Citronaut Day. Uh, game goes 12 innings and UCF gets the win on a, a, a Riley Wash. RBI single in the bottom of the 12th. Connor stain was fantastic that day, 7 innings, 10 Ks, uh despite getting the no decision. Um and uh, and UCF goes toe to toe with the team that may very well win the national championship. And uh and they get the victory in uh, in in dramatic fashion. You know, maybe the season wasn't the greatest season in the world for UCF baseball, but wow, they'll have that win to hang their hat on.
2: Oh yeah, like uh, for me i think that this game is sort of an emblematic of like where this program can be at its best cuz again they were hampered by injuries this was before all that and they and they put up an amazing fight against the number 2 team in the country and pods was possibly potential college world series champions who knows i mean jeffrey peña went 3 for 4 on the night and was the winning run that riley wash score that riley wash scored in t- the 12th inning and major props for Connor Stain getting 10 strikeouts, only allowing two hits in seven innings. And then Chasen Tala, transfer. He had, he gets six strikeouts, in, uh, only allows one, one hit, three walks. I mean, and he lasted for five innings. That is a lot longer than usually you want to rely on a relief pitcher for. So absolutely well done performance by this, this team in that game. And I think really shows what this program is capable of at its best.
3: Kyle, the highlight of the men's basketball season, I think, was that victory over Juwan Howard in Michigan. All the hype coming into that game, uh, UCF was uh, four. Let's see, five and two, six and two, seven and two, uh, eight and two. They were eight and two. They go to nine and two in that game, December thirtieth. Big time crowd and a second half, really to remember because UCF remember, was down four. Almost ninety four hundred people in the arena that night. It was jam packed to see Juwan Howard and the Michigan Wolverines and UCF outscores Michigan 54 36 in the second half thanks in large part to Darren Green and Brandon Mahan who combined for 53 points together and UCF also was eight for eight from three-point range in the second half it was just a remarkable performance.
1: Remarkable doesn't even begin to start Jeff easily the second half of basketball best second half of basketball as a performance goes that I've ever witnessed personally in any game that I've attended college pro or otherwise and and listen, I'm going to take the opportunity to credit all of you helping me on on Twitter. I am from being not traumatized just completely shook. I have no idea how to interpret what I saw if you guys didn't remind me. Yes, this stuff is statistically that nuts yes the atmosphere was that electric you aren't being biased it was really like that kind of game if you accused me of bias here i would have to recuse myself Were i a judge just a completely electric moment all the way around
3: four games of the year for nominations two football games the brillable against florida the boise state opener the michigan win to get for men's basketball at home and the one nothing win in 12 innings for no, uh, over number two Ole Miss for baseball. Those are your four nominees for men's game of the year. Women's game of the year. We got five nominations in this category. Two women's basketball, two softball, and a track and field. For track, the outdoor uh, AAC championship, which UCF won. Uh, for softball, the uh, walk-off win uh, over uh, Georgia on opening night. And – Later on in the season, the win over Michigan in the NCAA region the 11-inning uh, dramatic win on ESPN2 uh, for UCF softball, and then the two women's basketball games, the uh, American Athletic Championship title game against USF, uh, and then the NCAA first-round game against the Florida Gators. Bryson, I'm going to start with you at the NCAA uh, track and field meet where UCF clinched the double, winning both the indoor and the outdoor and a great performance for the knights uh in the conference meet.
2: Oh yes, e- extremely well. Renaya of course was Renaya, Latasha, but this was one where the entire team showed up. Latasha Smith, Ashira Collins, Adrian Adams, like the it's a, it was a who's who of the of UCF track and field to the point where UCF set a meet score record. In this game, she got with 163 points, dominated the re- the rest of the field with Houston coming in at second at 105.5. I mean, there is a reason that Dana Boone got that outdoor co- got that outdoor coaching staff of the, of the year award. It was an absolute domination on the track for UCF. Like I remember when they on the last day when when the track finals were coming in and UCF just immediately shot of the leaderboard as soon as those track finals were coming in and, and at the Knights were getting points every which way you look. So absolutely dominating performance, and it really deserves its spot in the, in the nominations for this award.
3: Eric Lopez, let's talk about those two softball games because they're almost bookends to one another. Uh, with UCF uh, opening the season in dramatic fashion with a victory over Georgia uh, on that, uh, on that uh, uh, famous home run by Shannon Doherty in the eighth inning, um that uh, that kind of set the tone for UCF and then later on the season and, and the and my personal favorite the 11 inning win over Michigan the drama of college softball uh on full display uh in that game 3 to 2 in 11 innings uh on ESPN2 nonetheless right something UCF softball hasn't done yet came all going the distance against the number uh, against number 24 team in the country and UCF coming back from down two to nothing late in that game to force it to extras and win it. I mean, take your pick.
0: Well, let's start with the Georgia game. That was set the tone for the season. It was a game that it turned out to be the most watched uh, event. uh, However you want to programming on ESPN plus we were told after the fact blew up Twitter. Everybody was watching trending uh, wild back and forth game. First game of the season that it was capped off by Shannon Doherty's walk off Homer in the eighth inning, which is one of the most popular clips that's been played, and uh, helped me w- get nominated for a broadcast call You're for a national awards. So there yeah. you go. Thank you, Shannon Doherty. Appreciate you. Uh, but it really did set the tone for their season they would have. And then the Michigan game you mentioned, winners bracket game. UCF had never won a winners bracket game in the history in the NCAA tournament ever until that game. But they were down to their last strike. Maddie Perano with the base hit to tie the game k Woodall was going 11 11 innings through 181 pitches. Bryson, you were outside with the media because, as Andrew brought up earlier in the show, "Eh, there's some issues to be worked at on the facilities at softball there, Kyle. You don't have to worry about being outside in the sun with no shade at the basketball arena.
2: Mm -hmm. All right. Um, Bryson, how hot was it? Uh, It was hot enough that I got a sunburn on my face, and it was enough for me to get a low-grade fever afterwards because of how badly my forehead was sunburned.
0: Thank you. There you go. Confirmation. And she stayed and pitched all 11 innings. The social people are saying, like, isn't she going to pull her out? Going to take her out? Nope. She didn't. And then Maddie Perrano with the base hit down the line to win it 3-2. to two. It's the biggest win ever in the program at home. Biggest win. That crowd was incredible. It set them up nicely because you remember that regional rain came afterwards Michigan had to play a uh, two-game, a game before the regional final the next day because of weather issues. If UCF doesn't win that game, uh, they probably—I don't know if they win that regional—but uh, an unbelievable day that I will never forget with incredible conditions, as Bryson just brought up.
3: I, you know, it's—it's it's the stuff that legends are made of. It's—it's it's the moment that we'd all been waiting to see. I think in the in the plex for years, and boy, did it. Through more television
0: that, like, viewers, by the way, than UCF Michigan basketball did. Hmm,
4: interesting.
3: Uh, I want to go to Kyle for the two women's basketball games, which are really back-to-back games. The AAC title game against South Florida. This was a a, a, a matchup of the heavyweights in the American. It, they were on a collision course all year. It was this game was as tight as it could be all throughout, and UCF. Finally pulled it out in the fourth quarter, held UC, held USF to six points en route to an eight point victory. Um, let's not forget that UCF was down two at the start of the fourth quarter when they finally, you know, were able to pull it out. Uh, Diamond battles with seventeen points, uh, nine points and nine rebounds for Masini Kaba in this game. Uh, and it was just it, it was just such a clash, and then finally, you know, it, even though it wasn't as dramatic a game uh, as that previous game, first round of the NCAAs in stores, uh, UCF playing Florida again in the postseason, and the Knights get their first ever NCAA tournament victory. I don't think the significance of this can be understated. Um, sure. It wasn't really an upset in the truest sense of the word, but the fact that UCF dominated Florida in this game is, um, and and set up the the game against UConn, which, you know, we all know how that went. But, you know, I, I just think that that game's significance of winning an NCAA tournament game for the first time in school history after so many tries uh, can't be understated. But I think I know what way you're going to go here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Listen, and as for the Florida game, part of the reason why that game is now so unmemorable is the fact that Brittany Buckets went precisely nuts in the game in question. But hey, listen, at the end of the day, I don't care about the wambulance that Elo and Bryson are calling. Oh, I'm getting sunburned. That's wonderful. The fire and passion that you saw in the, the uh, USF and USF battle the third of the year, I might add, in a rivalry that, well, while some on this... Po- <laughs> panel may m- lament it and some may not of it going away in football at the end of the day the horns down concept for UCF fans is absolutely huge and say what you will last uh the previous year USF won the day on the strength of shooting it from the cheap seats trying to take them to, Well, actually successfully taking UCF down from beyond the arc pretty ball as coach Abe used to call it but not so in this game USF had a huge contribution down low from Bethy Manunga you saw battle in the paint you saw plenty of fire being launched from beyond the arc and a lot of a lot of outside shooting it was a very versatile offense because the we team, saw some
3: tempers flaring in that game too
1: it there was, was a little bit more fire too I, I I remember putting a tweet in the game of of Masni Kappa staring down I forget which player it was from USF but it was one of those who you looking at kind of exchanges, definitely something worth mention, right? You are there, Jeff. I mean, who listen, bring the sunscreen and I'm indoors. Okay. Mm. At the end of the day, <laughs> being able to take down USF three times, being able, A, being able to get past coach Jose um, and doing all of that to finally get to that mountaintop. Set the history to that point. Get the highest seed in program history. And, and listen, I'm not saying the Florida game wasn't significant. But boy, you'll pardon the pun, but Diamond led her team into some battles to get that one. Uh, I'm not doing, uh, not doing it.
4: not
3: doing it. No.
4: Uh, um, someone no. mute him. Shut up,
1: true. You your, called your, for it.
3: Your five nominees for women's game of the year uh, UCF defeating Michigan in softball in 11 innings in the NCAAs, uh, UCF softball walking off Georgia in the season opener, uh, UCF women's basketball beating South Florida in the American championship, UCF women's basketball beating Florida in the first round of the NCAAs, and of course the track and field outdoor AACs. Here's a fun one that I think we want, I wanted to get to, uh, story of the year. Um, we have three, these are kind of like the, what are the, what were the big picture stories for UCF coming out of this year that we follow. And we thought were the really significant stories that, that are came to define this past year uh, in UCF sports. We've got three of them. Number one, UCF going to the big 12. I mean, it's, that's, that's pretty big. And that was finally, that was finalized this year. Uh, seems like a while ago, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> women's basketball. Finally, finally breaking through and winning the American. After years and years of being stonewalled by UConn and coming so close against South Florida, they finally break through, win the American. And finally, the Orlando NCAA softball regional. UCF hosting a regional for the first time in school history and winning the regional. Uh, let's go. Let's, I want to start with the other two first. But, uh, Eric, the significance of hosting a regional. It means... Your program has arrived.
0: Absolutely. And softball, that was was the big question. Could softball ever host? People were skeptical. Well, they don't have the, you know, the the Florida and Florida State are in the state. They're never going to be able to do it. That was the big moment. And then they get to host an incredible celebration, which everybody was at the week before. Then they host. It sells out on Tuesday. You have this place packed. If it wasn't for Mother Nature, we would have had later start times. I think we would have even had bigger crowds. But as is, we probably had about 1,500, 2,000. And then to host that regional, the environment, the alumni coming back in droves, a marquee regional with Michigan in it. And then to that to win that regional, uh, it's a moment I'll never forget. Like, if I could loop any weekend for the rest of my life, just loop it, that's the weekend I'm looping it for the rest of my life. I'm good. Uh, it's a moment will never be forgotten. It's not something that it's common. Baseball's never hosted. Uh, volleyball hosted once. Uh, men's soccer uh, has hosted a, a, a never hosted a round of sixteen. They've they've hosted a couple of NCAA tournament games. Soccer has a different format, but uh, and you know tracks host. But I, I would say this is a, a significant moment that brought a lot of casual people and fans to this event. I mean, this was, this was bigger than UCF.
3: Kyle, women's basketball finally breaking three, getting breaking through, getting the monkey off their back after years of UConn, just dominating this conference. And then they come so close. yet so far against South Florida last year for them to finally break through, win the conference, hang that banner. It was a tremendous moment for the program. And it was the first time that they won both the regular season championship And the conference tournament championship since the A Sundays and almost in more than uh, 20 years. So this is a big moment for that program as well. And just a tremendous story seeing them finally seeing them achieve that crescendo of performance.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And listen, specifically to when they clinched the conference at home against Cincinnati, the team that uh, earlier in the year offered them their worst loss on the docket to do it against them to dominate in the fashion they did. Destiny Thomas with a, a triple double herself and just everybody basically going off in some way, shape, form or fashion was was really a great way to pay tribute to the fans for the way that they were supported throughout the year and, and all the hype that was gained there, too. Uh, one last time to see Diamond Battles come out on senior night, as she did. Masni Kaba also uh, putting a swan song in after a 1,000-point season and, and all of that, and, and really a great opportunity. What would turn out to be an ultimate farewell um, therein, um, I don't believe they played again, at home in a significant air quotes, uh, game because the rest of it was in a, um, uh, Connecticut for the tourney. So at the end of the day, you know, it was, it was a great high point for them to depart on and, and was the first of several bits of history made, uh, for the squad. And, you know, one last time for the fans to say goodbye, um, as it would turn out and, and, and celebrate the greatness that was this team.
3: Drew, the floor goes to you for this move about the Big 12. And, and, and I guess we can throw the Sun Belt in there as well. But, you know, this is how big is, you know, really put it into perspective here, into context. UCF getting the invitation to the Big 12 and becoming a Power 5 school.
4: We got to go back to, to around 1990 when UCF first joined Division One. They went in the American South Conference, which probably no, almost no one's heard of. Then the Sun Belt. Then the TAC slash Sun, A football stint in the mat Conference USA. The American. They went from nobody, from being an absolute nobody, to being part of the Power Five. Is a culmination of 30-plus years of Division I athletics. Uh, it's an opportunity that almost no school has ever had that level of growth you know they're the youngest school to ever join the power five Uh, this is the culmination of of, a resume that has been built over the last decade plus in all sports uh they, they they're tied with houston for the most conference championships in america this is not a case of just being in the right place at the right time this is not just being lucky this is a resume that has been earned ucf has earned this opportunity And I think that's what makes it that much more fulfilling. Uh, This is a game changer. We know that Power Five conference schools get more money, get more prestige, and get more opportunity. And UCF's gonna, as of July 1st next year, is gonna count themselves as part of it. We thought we were getting that with the Big East when in 2011 UCF got the invite and then everything fell apart. Now, it looks like UCF's got another opportunity and I think has a better opportunity since the conference is, is a, is a much more stable conference. There's no uh, hybrid set up multiple, you know, agendas. Uh, this is by far, in my opinion, the biggest story for, uh, for this year. I, I think it dwarfs them all.
3: All right. So there's your three stories here. I think we know which one's going to win here. Uh, Big 12, Women's basketball winning the American and the Orlando softball regional for story of the year play of the year. We have five nominees, men's basketball, Darren Green's buzzer beater against ECU to win that game, a three pointer at the horn softball, Shannon Doherty's walk off Homer and bat flip against against the university of Georgia uh, women's basketball diamond battles is game winning reverse layup against Arkansas at home. Set the tone for the season. Baseball: Riley Wash's walk-off hit against number two Ole Miss. That one UCF that one nothing game we talked about earlier. And then one more thing uh, for softball: uh, UCF getting the victory over Houston in the American uh, semis on a uh, on a walk-off home run in the eighth inning uh, uh, by Savannah Savannah Adams, Adams, freshman, and another another uh, another freshman contributing for UCF softball. So that's always fun to see. But uh, I want to go through these pretty quickly because, you know, we're going, we're going pretty long, but um, I I want to speak real quick to the Darren Green buzzer beater real quick. Credit to, you know, this is, this is kind of Darren's big moment at UCF. I think we'll remember him for this. Of course, he transferred to Florida State, but you know, in a game that was a really tough one for at a really tough point in the season for UCF to get that victory at the buzzer on a true buzzer beater was really satisfying to watch. And just to show the the greatness of Darren Green as a shooter, how he was first of all, everyone knew he was getting the ball. And he got open and got the foot and, and had his. And by the way, some Ray Allen-esque footwork, getting his feet behind the line, setting himself, getting the ball off and winning the game for UCF. That was fun to see from my perspective. Eric. Two softball plays. I mean, we could probably we could probably separate out our own. You
0: know, we could really, yeah, have really, yeah, winning hit of the year. Like we could have <laughs> you know, done it we wanted to. We could have done a Doherty. Tr- we could have done a Doherty trilogy. We could have done a ton of softball. Uh, the Doherty Georgia one obviously speaks for itself. We discussed that earlier. It's up for a national award. It's probably going to be one of the most. It's one of the most memorable clips and moments in the history of that program, maybe in UCF's athletics in general, like non softball fans, Richard. But I want to talk Savannah Adams. Because this might be as significant of a pinch hit home run we'll ever see in any UCF sport. Bottom of the eight, Houston. UCF's in a position to host. I spoke to people in the committee recently who admitted to me, if UCF loses this game to Houston, there's a good chance they're not hosting. And probably going to Gainesville, which means Bryson and I would have been eating at McAllister up there in Gainesville, getting ready to cover a regional. So the game is 2-2. There's bad weather because it's Greenville. It's always bad weather. What kind of dumb conference would schedule a tournament in Greenville in May? Anyway, uh, Gianna Mancha, blister issues in the eighth inning. Uh, you don't know how long she's going to go. Cindy Ball Malone calls Savannah Adams's number. A freshman, hadn't hit a home run all year, hits a two-run homer to walk it off, basically win the title because they destroyed South Florida the next day. Savannah Adams—it's the biggest pinch hit home run in the history of UCF baseball or softball. Well, without that homer, I don't think UCF hosts. That's why Cindy Ball Malone got taken care of this week by Terry Mahajer and UCF with an extension through 2027, which uh, make uh, and compensated very well and rightfully so. That mm-hmm. to me is a significant moment. UCF doesn't host without that Adams homer. Diamond
3: Battles game winner against Arkansas, Bryson. I want to defer to you on this one because. Uh, You pushed hard for this one and, and, it was, you know, kind of a crowning moment for diamond, wasn't it?
2: Oh yeah. I would agree. Uh, Arkansas. It was one of, was one of those, uh, I guess when you say high profile games for you, for the women's basketball program this year, I mean, coming off of that coming off of that Cancun challenge and, I mean, it was just a beautiful reverse layup. Like when you're, we're looking at play of the year, we're like looking at the execution of the play. And I think that diamond battles is execution. Like you wouldn't have known that this was a game winning layup that if she misses, then they're going to lose. And the pressure is on. And she made it look effortless when she, when she did that. So I think that when you, when you look at it from a pure execution standpoint to making it look easy in a high-pressure situation, then Diamond absolutely killed it right there. And uh,
3: Riley Wash, which we talked about earlier, that, uh, that game-winning hit uh, for UCF getting the victory over uh, Ole Miss, a significant moment as we're going to see as he drove in Jeffrey Pena for the winning hit. So there's your five nominees for play of the year. Darren Green's buzzer beater against ECU. Shannon Doherty's walk off versus Georgia, Diamond Battles uh, game winning layup against Arkansas, Riley Wash's walk off against Ole Miss, and Savannah Adams
2: pinch hit semifinal homer. I think that's the sleeper one here for UCF softball. It's like the moment of the American tournament. Everyone remembers what this happened in the semifinal, but everyone forgets you had to do the final, but it's for good reason. Moment of the year. We've got
3: uh, a few of these that we got to get through. That we got to get through. But you know, it, some of them kind of overlap with a few things. But I think you kind of get like, you know, what's this one moment that we re- that really transcends not just a game or a great play? All right. Um, I think I know which one's going to win here. Of course, Ryan O'Keefe tribute to Otis Anderson as he scored that long touchdown that put UCF up for good in the Gasparilla Bowl. That's one. UCF winning the regional. In uh, softball, knocking off Michigan the second time, advancing to the Supers for the first time in school history. Women's basketball, cutting down the nets after clinching the American Athletic Conference uh, regular season championship at home against Cincinnati. Softball on selection Sunday, getting that regional, seeing their name come up on the board and seeing them as a host. And then finally, this actually, I think this is good. This one's going to make it tougher than everyone else. Mackenzie Milton. Returning to the bounce house and playing on the field at UCF for the final time at the Hula bowl. Uh, ending and as it turns out, ending his college football career and his football career by playing in that game back at home. Um, five really good moments here. Uh, I want to talk uh, or drew let's start with you and talking about Ryan O'Keefe. And that moment uh, in the Gasparilla Bowl, spontaneous or not, I don't know. We didn't ask Ryan O'Keefe about that, but um, iconic, I think, is how I would describe it.
4: I call it divine. And the reason why is if you actually look back, it was a 54-yard touchdown reception by Ryan O'Keefe. The play that Otis Anderson got famous for in 2018 against Memphis in the American Athletic Conference Championship game was for 54 yards. So we're talking the same distance. I mean, that's, that's divine. That that's just not iconic. There's something more to it. Uh, obviously, you know, first game after the passing of Anderson and and he was such a, a motivator for that team going, going into that. And it was a tribute to, to an all around great guy uh, who was taken way too soon. So I, I, I think that you got the iconic side of the picture, but you get the divine part of the fact that they scored an, and did the same thing on the same distance, and, and it's like, how do you do that?
3: Yeah, I mean, we have the photos; it'll live forever. But I want to uh, say something for the McKenzie Milton at the Hula Bowl game. We were all excited to see that. We knew that it would be used McKenzie's last game, last college appearance at uh, at at the Bounce House. We did not know until several months later that that would end up being the final time he would take the football field, as far as we know. And the reception that he got from the hula, from the, the fans who showed up, they showed up for him and they showed out for him. And to have that one final moment of him taking that field after all he's been through, I think was, it was a really emotional moment. And certainly one I'll never forget. I did PA for that game. Um, it really was a remarkable moment, and it was so satisfying to see that to see him on that field once again. Uh, Eric, we've talked before about you know the significance of winning a regional,
0: but that moment of finally breaking through—what was it like? Euphoria. I mean, a lot of people that follow the program for a long time didn't think it would happen. It happened. The joy was incredible. The app, I mean, the you saw the reaction on the selection show. I mean, ESPN loved it. There was like one of the best reactions throughout the country. People were like, "Wow, that was awesome!" That they, they got to host. People were rooting for UCF to host, which was great. People love UCF softball, unlike other UCF sports. A few years ago, um, it's amazing what happens. And look, they got a chance to host. Arguably the biggest NCAA championship that's been ever hosted on campus ever, arguably softball NCAA tournament has exploded on television. It would be the equivalent of football. If UCF ever gets to host a playoff game or if men's basketball, they had the tournament and they held it on campus. That's how significant it was. And to host it, to finally say, yep, we made it. Uh, it'll never be forgotten.
4: Yeah.
3: I mean, take your pick on that one. And we, you know, we saw the video hosting the regional. I mean, that was, You know, seeing that name pop up, like you said, I mean, the national reaction was really something. And to win it,
0: and then to win it, then that basically, I mean, it'll be remembered for – it'll set the tone for future UCF teams, future players. It broke barriers. Broke barriers that will be long remembered for years and years. Standard set. Pretty
3: much. Kyle, UCF clinching that American Athletic Conference championship at home, um, cutting down the nets at home. Uh, Something that we've never gotten the chance to do in UCF women's basketball uh, history. And we and we saw it. It was the culmination of so much emotion and so much effort. And it finally happened.
1: Absolutely. And, 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 you know, kind of kind of remark to to some of Coach Abe's frustration after the loss in the second round of the NCAA tournament uh, to to Connecticut and how some of that went. Um, you know, how all the Florida teams, six of them, I think it was, was playing? Uh, uh, four of them were playing in Connecticut, I think, or maybe all six of them were, I don't remember. <laughs> Excuse me. And then all of that frustration there. Imagine having to be at the – falling just short constantly of Connecticut because they're in the conference and getting the monkey off off of uh, the programs back. Coach Abe was the last one to go up, get her piece of net, and and for somebody – who was always um, uh, loath to look ahead to the next game or to, to get too excited about what they were doing and getting hot, worried about being ranked and all that. Finally, she herself, after that game, would join her players in calling that pro- uh, program and that performance last year iconic.
3: Yeah. So there's your moment of the year nominees uh, Ryan O'Keefe in the Gasparilla Bowl, UCF winning the softball regional. Uh, women's basketball clinching the American title at home uh, softball hook actually uh, getting selected to host the regional and Mackenzie Milton's farewell at the Hula bowl uh, individual performance of the year, men's and women's. Here we go. Uh, we've ta- we we'll, we can roll through these a little bit quickly because we've, we've already done, but the, uh, I wanted to get the stats out there for this one too. Uh, First nominee, Ryan O'Keefe in the Gasparo Bowl. Obviously the great moment, but man, what a game he had as well. Uh, Connor stayed in baseball against Ole Miss, which you talked about earlier, 10 Ks over seven innings. Uh, Darren Green and Brandon Mayhem combining for 53 points together uh, against Michigan, including eight for eight from three-point range. Men's soccer, uh, Cowboys hat trick against Florida Gulf Coast was a, it was a remarkable performance. Only hat trick of the year for soccer and men's tennis, and White beating the number one pair in the country in their first match together. Um, uh, Bryson, tell us more about the men's tennis because that, you know, that one I think kind of flew under
2: the radar. Oh yes. Men's tennis. It was unfortunate that they didn't exactly have the best year. You know, you lost the best men's tennis player of all time and gave to camps. You kind of have to be able to reset a little bit, but one thing that this team did fairly well is in doubles and Leighton Cronhay and Cooper white, Cooper white, Came uh, Cooper White came in uh, came in uh, and first time ever in competition with Layton Cronhe against the number one pair in the country against Ohio State and they win it. I mean it's one of those things where just the te- the season may have been on the overall downturn, but that one performance, that one shining moment was I think was a really great moment for men's, ten- for men's tennis.
3: Uh, I was finally able to get the, uh, individual statistics for, uh, for Ryan O'Keefe, uh, rushing four carries 110 yards, including a 74 yarder, uh, and then receiving seven catches, 85 yards and one 54 yard touchdown. Um, I I forgot how good that performance really was, uh, when you really think about it, a, a crowning achievement there. Um, and then uh, uh, going back to the uh, men's soccer uh, hat trick uh, as well you know in a season where i think you know the, the again i've mentioned this before transitional season uh for um for ucf men's soccer and uh, by the way we just saw their schedule come out too and it's going to be a busy schedule in the american um this year but uh you know we talk about you know hat tricks which are uh which are so rare um, you know, we got one uh earlier this season. Uh gosh, I'm messing this up terribly. Uh, um the against Florida Gulf Coast that six to two victory. Alessandro Campoy uh scoring two the first two goals, and then the fourth goal that actually turned out to be uh the key. Luca Dorado also scored uh, uh also scored uh, uh two himself, but I forgive me, Compoy actually scored four goals in that game. Yeah. Um And uh, wow, (laughs) you you don't really see it that often. That's when
2: we saw this offense would really be humming. Oh, I remember I was talking to Eric about this because I, you look at Alessandro Campoy and you don't really see, he scored four goals all season last year against, with the, with Florida International. And he goes and scores five goals this season and four of them come in this one game against Florida Gulf Coast. I don't care how good or bad the opponent is. You get this type of performance. The last time a UCF soccer player scored four or more goals in one game was Heike Rittmanen, UCF Hall of Famer in 1998, and now someone else has finally done it, and it's, and it's this Alessandro Compoy, and it's four of the five goals he would get all season. Just an absolutely, he just went nuclear for this one game, and I love it.
3: Alessandro Compoy's hat trick versus Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, men's tennis beating number one doubles pair. Uh, Green and Mayhan against Michigan. Connor Sane versus Ole Miss. And Ryan O'Keefe in the Gaspar Bowl, your men's individual performances of the year nominations. Don't forget that uh, Andrew also mentioned the 56-yard kickoff return that O'Keefe had in that game. Three huge plays from him in that game. Women's individual performance of the year. Volleyball, McKenna Melville. You know, we haven't heard her name a whole lot so far. We're about to. Against Florida State this year, career-high 27 kills, career-high 28 digs in the same match. Uh, a five-set win over Florida State. Brittany Smith against Florida in that NCAA uh, tournament game, uh, showing out and pushing UCF past the Gators, career high in points for her. Two track and field performances Brittany Floyd breaking a 19 year old heptathlon record uh, in winning the heptathlon down in Miami, and Renaya Jones winning three goals in the AAC Indoor Championships. Uh, women's golf, at Pidden, setting a new 54 hole school record. Uh, And then finally, two softball uh, performances. Kama Woodall's 11-inning performance against Michigan goes the distance, wins it for UCF. And Jada Cody's two home runs versus Villanova uh, as well in the NCAAs in the opener uh, of the Orlando Regional. Um, I don't know what else you can say about McKenna Millville that hasn't already been said over the past several years for us. Kyle, Brittany Smith in that game against Florida real quick uh, was in the zone.
1: Oh, to say the least, and you know, wh- while she's usually seen as the least, how you say? I- I'll say least physical of the big post players, being Destiny Thomas and Maasani Kaba as the other two. She brought in that big, uh that Britney Bucket swag of hitting the outside shot and was just knocking people over. And this is the SEC; they're not known for timid basketball. Per se. And, and while, listen, while they uh, uh, Florida did have some injuries going into it, I don't believe the front court was the biggest issue for that group. And Brittany, uh, you, you can talk to her before the game. She was, you know, looking at looking that for to be a tougher matchup. And sure enough, she delivered something big. The only problem with the performance and questions, like we mentioned earlier, made the game, unfortunately, a lot less memorable than we might have liked for the first victory of of the history of the program.
3: Yeah. I mean, it was kind of, it's like, like um, it! Like it, I wanted to pull up her uh, box score real quick while we have the, while we have the chance. Cause I, I want to just remind, remind everyone. She was 11 of 15 from the field, four of six from the line, 26.6 rebounds in this game. Um, an offensive force to be reckoned with uh, right when UCF needed it the most. Uh, Bryson real quick, tell me about these two track performances here. Brittany Floyd breaking the 19 year old heptathlon record and Raniah Jones winning the three medals, three goals in the AAC indoors.
2: So, with the, we talked about Floyd breaking the heptathlon record before, she ended up winning that ac- competition. And I mean, I told I said it before, she just revolutionized what heptathletes or multi athletes can do with this program. And that was kind of her moment where she broke out and said, you know, that's it's her Renaya Jones moment, you know, and she just, hey, my name's Brittany Floyd and I'm going to change this program. And she went and did that when she broke that 19 year old record. It's so old, by the way, there isn't an exact date in the record book. It just says 2003 next to the next to the athletes named Jamie Q. So, uh, I mean, I don't know what else I can really say about that. I mean, it's, it's hard to do multiple multi, multi events at the same time. And Floyd just excelled in all of them. Just absolutely well done for Renaya. Um, it's funny, we haven't mentioned her a lot either. You talk about how we haven't mentioned McKenna, we haven't really mentioned Renaya a lot either. But Renaya continued to just dominate as far as her perform- uh, performances. And this was her first indoor season, by the way, because... The, her, the last indoor season was canceled because of COVID-19 and that was Renai's freshman year. So this is her first indoor season and she goes to the American conference championship and sweeps the gold medal in all three of her awards. Major reason why UCF took the title in that division. So just dominant performance from Renai there.
3: Eric Lopez, Jada Cody two home runs against Villanova kind of really set the tone for UCF in that regional, but I think that gets a little bit overshadowed by what came Woodall did against Michigan.
0: Well, real quick on Cody, no UCF players ever hit two home runs in a postseason game. It reminded me, shout out to Brian Murphy on this, my first Rays playoff game I attended in person. Evan Longoria, first two at-bats against the White Sox. Two homers set the tone for the Rays. Rest playoff run. Same thing here with Jada Cody and uh, against Villanova. Kmall Wada. it's the greatest pitching performance for a UCF pitcher in postseason history. 11 innings, we talked about it, the conditions, 181 pitches. You can actually listen to her talk about that herself if you go to the black and gold banner at youtube channel right now subscribe like you can hear my interview <laughs> with k woodall and talks about that game in her words uh it, about that performance that's all i need to say about that that's called a plug kyle
3: all right we got a lot of we got a lot of nominees in this category it's actually the biggest category we've got Kenna melville 27 kills 20 diggers florida state she was all over the place i thought she had an evil twin who snuck into the gym at some point during that match um britney smith uh 26 points against florida on 11 and 15 in the ncaa's britney floyd's 19 year old uh breaking the 19 year old ucf had tathlon record red Nia jones three goals in the AAC indoors pat pidden's 54 hole record for women's golf came woodall 11 innings going the distance against michigan and jada cody's two homers against zillanova in the ncaa regionals those are your women's individual performances of the year all right guys here we go the two big awards actually the four big awards the two big categories athlete of the year team of the year here we go male athlete of the year we got five nominees Ryan O'Keefe from football Jeffrey Pena from baseball Johnny Travali from men's golf Luca Dorado from men's soccer Darren Green Jr. from men's basketball Drew we will start with Ryan O'Keefe make your case
4: we, we talked about Ryan O'Keefe before, being the team leader in receiving yards, being fourth in rushing, and he's a wide receiver, so he's, he's a do-it-all. And, you know, his Gasparilla game, uh, Gasparilla Bowl uh, game numbers were just absolutely outstanding, had more total yards than any other player on the field, including both quarterbacks. Uh, you know, the, the guy did it all, and, and he was the bridge that helped bring Mikey Keene into the spotlight and i would say it was the singular p- lynchpin of what the, you know of a team that would have tanked versus a team that excelled to nine wins he was the guy if he wasn't there they wouldn't have made it
3: i mean the talent is, is and i can't wait to see what he's going to be able to do this coming season um the, uh, we may see him again this time around bryson jeffrey pena and like we said an up and down season for baseball he was really a consistent performer.
2: Oh yes, for a hit for a hitting core that started the season off with a slow start, Jeffrey Peña was just hit the hit the ground running and just did it from day 1. He ended up setting a new program record for stolen base percentages getting 67 out of 71 He got ended. He stole over 20 bases in back-to-back seasons for the first time since Matt Ray did it in 2005 and 2006. He also got his 82 hits was the most by a Knights player in one season since 2011 when Jonathan Griffin had 86. I mean, he was just the offensive linchpin. I mean, like we talked about his performance in the Ole Miss game. He got the walk-off double to keep the, the team alive in the AAC tournament in that first semifinal game against, against Houston. Like this, 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 team this guy has absolutely been a linchpin into why baseball has managed to do as well as it has, despite all of the setbacks. The one constant is Jeffrey Pena is going to be fast and he's going to hit the ball.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: The uh, Johnny Travali and Luke, or, or actually no, I want to go to Kyle and talk about Darren Green jr transferred out bummer about that but was arguably the best performer for men's basketball this year
1: i don't see what the argument would be for anybody else jeff because at the end of the day the one thing we constantly uh, elo especially uh, ba- bashed on this team about was the lack of consistency but the one thing you could rely on during the regular season more than anything else is darren green handling business from beyond the arc and shooting the ball outside to get the two at long range as well how many times i would be watching him or 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 rather the team in general struggle and then suddenly darren green comes up chucking it from dan marley range from the logo and stuff and popping a three listen several times coach johnny dawkins was asked if he has license to do that and more often than not the answer was essentially to paraphrase and put it shortly yes Yes, he can. And and <laughs> I mean, I can't put it much better than that. But easily, um, I believe he was the team's leading scorer as well. Um, I, I know that fans will be quick to point out that maybe his uh, his final game with UCF in the tournament against Memphis may not be as strong, strongest. I would certainly uh, grant that as well. But what for what he did for the team throughout the year, easily a huge deal.
3: Uh, I want to talk about Luca Dorado for men's soccer Uh, in his sophomore year. Boy, this guy has really blasted onto the scene for men's soccer. We talked about, you know, Eric, you know, we talked a lot about Cal Jennings and how great he was. I think Luca Dorado could be this good second team, all East region last year, unanimous first team all conference player in the American. Um, Seven of UCF's first 16 goals, 10th uh, nationally in goals with 13 um this guy's got a really bright future ahead of him just two seasons in uh at a montvert academy um boy he's going to be impressive and i think he you know he he could be uh a re- he could be an all american took it to a different candidate. level took here. it to a different
0: yeah. level will probably be a, a player of the year candidate for them to be successful this upcoming year uh, in their last year in the American, as we found out.
3: Yeah. In a much tougher American this year with some new teams coming in and Bryson, I'll let you make the case for Johnny Travali of men's golf. Who was the number one guy for them all season.
2: Oh yes. This team does not make a regional without Johnny Travali. They don't do it without Teddy Ted either. We mentioned with that earlier, but Johnny Travali has always been the main leader in the, in this, in the, on this men's golf team, he made his PGA tour debut as well, playing in the RBC Canadian open recently, but he, his, he ended up getting one of the top 10 lowest season scoring average in program history, a feat that he's, that he is familiar with. He has another in there and you look, he's three over on this, on the year to compare that with his fellow players. Teddy Tetak is nine over the next you have Clement Charmasson at 36 over. And then Igor Shchenko at 37 over just without this, without Johnny Travali doing what he does best. This team just simply does not make a regional.
3: All right. So your male athlete of the year nominees, Ryan O'Keefe from football, Jeffrey Pena from baseball, Johnny Travali, men's golf, Luca Dorado men's soccer, Darren Green, Jr. Men's basketball. Let's go to the ladies. Uh, from women's golf, Tenrata Pidden. From track, Renia Jones. From women's basketball, Diamond Battles. From volleyball, McKenna Melville. <clears throat> and from softball, Jada Cody. Eric Lopez, I want to start with Jada Cody. We talked about the record she broke. Um, what makes her, the what, what in your case, in your opinion, makes her the best UCF athlete this year?
0: Well, She broke a 19-year-old record that was held by a Hall of Famer in Stephanie Best, which I didn't think would be broken. And She shattered it with 10 games less. Drove in 75 home runs, uh, 75 runs, 15 homers, helped her team win the regular season tournament title, and Super Regional. No other player on this list we're going to talk about has done that. And she became the face of this program, catching... Gianna Mancha while dominating offensively. She started as a catcher. She started as a third baseman. She started as a left fielder. She even had a start as second baseman. She's a she was interviewed by Holly Rowe on ESPN. She transcends the softball program. Jamie Jada Cody is the UCF athlete of the year.
3: Hmm. Uh, I'm going to make the case for McKenna Melville, who, you know, we talked about earlier her performance against Florida State every year. And I did play by play for UCF volleyball this year several times. Every match, it was just, what's McKenna Melville going to do today? You know, she w- she's she's kind of become, dare I say, the Michael Jordan of UCF volleyball, where she has lapped the field in terms of what she has been able to prove on the floor. She's been an All-American all four years. But, you know, this past year, I thought that she reached an even greater level and I think had to in, uh, in, in certain cases this year uh, and enabled UCF to get all the way to the NCAA second round, you know, and I and even despite all that, the fact that she was among the national leaders in kills, kills per match, uh and was up in the top five, you know, actually led the country in several of those categories much of the time. You know, I still think she has a uh, you know an even better season left in her as she heads into her final year, and she is very close. She had quite poss- she has an opportunity heading into next season to be not just. The great, not just UCF's leader in kills all time, but to be top 10 all time in NCAA Division One history in kills, uh, which is a heck of a, an achievement considering that she's played entirely in the rally scoring era. Um, we are seeing greatness uh, before our eyes and we only get one more year of it. Um, she, to me, is the best female athlete on campus at UCF. Um, however, Kyle Nash... You have a case to make for Diamond Battles, don't you?
1: I don't have to say a whole lot. I can do the it's Jordan six rings things, so to speak, if I wanted to. Conference player of the year. Defensive conference player of the year. Leading scorer on the squad. Leader in steals. Heart and soul. The face of the franchise. I love that Elo wants to bring up, well, hey, the audience sees more of this. But I will ask you the same thing that Diamond does up on the Jumbotron before every game. What's good? All the stuff she brings to the table, history is made, and it's not made without Diamond Battles out there taking the helm. Off off, uh, off, uh, off air here, I said something about the post players running the show and being a bigger, bigger part of the women's team. Jeff corrects me and says they didn't need the post players. They got Diamond Battles.
3: we have diamond battles and they don't now we don't have diamond battles anymore which makes me sad unfortunately
1: but she does inspire athlete athletes outside of her sport men's and women's alike too i might also add
3: was uh, and and truly beloved and by the way that the thing about the the we have diamond and they don't shout out to alex funderberg who coined that (laughs) um uh, and now Bryson, I want to leave you with the last two who you covered uh, extensively and you can make the base, best case for Renaya Jones of track and field and Pat Pitton of women's golf. Um, Renaya, you know, maybe a little bit of a disappointing enter to, to her season this past year, the NCAAs, but that should not take away from the fact that she was dominant both outdoors and indoors for
2: UCF track and field this year. You are absolutely right on that one. I feel, the Renaya was an MVP in the indoor champion in the indoor championship, well deserved. There, sweeping the golds. She also got two podiums in the outdoor championship and a fifth and a fifth place as well, which still got her team points. She managed to, I think, while it wasn't to the highest of highs that last season was outdoor, she did still very much uh, was the class of the field. I think in terms of her uh, in terms of her times, she made it back to the final at eugene in the 100 meter hurdles and granted it may not have ended the way she wanted to but this season i think was a much more long and grueling grind for for this woman and doing both indoor and outdoor back to back for the first time now that she has it under her belt though i think she'll be fine and let's not forget she was also the opening leg in the four by 100 meter relay team who also had a very good showing in eugene so Renaya is still being Renaya, and i'm excited to see what she does going forward now sunrata Pitton, she was the headliner of a very well done uh, well done women's golf team this year her sc- season scoring average 71.71 is the low is the lowest is the is one is the lowest single season scoring average in program history beating her own record that she set herself back in the 2019 to 2020 season. She also managed to ha- of course set the 54 hole record as well with a, with a 200, the previous record was 203. She was conference player of the year in the American for women's golf. I mean, she is just, she, I mean, in a, again, we talked about how impressive Zoe Lowe played as a freshman, but Tenrata Pitten is the absolute headliner of this, of this team. Absolutely well done by her. And I'm excited to see what else she does for this program. All
3: right, Female Athletes of the Year. Jada Cody for softball, McKenna Melville for volleyball, women's basketball, Diamond Battles. Renaya Jones from track and Pat Pidden from women's golf. All right, fellas, we have reached the apex. Let's do the big words. This is, this is best picture, okay? We've made it teams of the year let's start with the men football baseball men's golf in a year that was let's be honest kind of rough at times for UCF men's sports I want to make the case for uh, or actually Drew I'll let you make the case for football because I think you kind of made it a little bit here but just put a period on this for
4: us uh, this season is is it the test uh, you have a new coach come in. You, you dealt with turmoil, uh, you know, turmoil of players coming and going uh, with, the, with the transfer portal. Uh, this team dealt with turmoil with losing their starting quarterback, their top wide receiver, their top running back in the third game of the year. Did not break. They bent. They did not break and rallied behind a freshman quarterback uh, en route to a nine win season, winning six out of their last seven, including a big. Uh, bowl uh, win over Florida, uh, six, almost 64,000 in attendance to watch that game. Uh, you know, that's a successful season. You know, in the game, in, in the men's sports, all having a rough go, that ends on a high note. You, you win against an in-state opponent in, in an area that you've never beat them before, which you know, in football, and you have a positive momentum going into the next season.
3: I want to make the case for uh, baseball here. Now they finished with a 35 and 25 record, not, you know, spectacular, obviously, but I think there were a lot of parallels between football and baseball this year. The only difference as Eric Lopez said earlier was football got to cap off their season with a bowl win. And unfortunately baseball didn't, but that wasn't to, that was, that doesn't prevent you, prevent us from seeing, you know some really great moments this year in baseball. They took obviously the 12-inning win over Ole Miss that we talked about earlier. Uh, beat Miami uh, uh, in, in a game earlier this year. Swept South Florida to start the uh, to start the conference uh, season. We saw some great pitching performances, um, but unfortunately, there was a rash of injuries during the conference play uh, that really hampered uh, this team's ability to sort of get some traction and stay toward the top, but they managed to fight their way back, get a favorable seed in the American Conference Championships, and after a tough loss to Memphis in the first game, won three straight games, forcing the second semifinal against Houston after a 10-inning thrilling victory, 9-8 over Houston, before they finally just ran out of gas, 9-6. But I think when you consider the adversity that Greg Lovelady and his team had to deal with, cold bats at the start of the year, next to no arms by the end of the year, they had no business getting as close as they could one day away from playing for a conference championship and finishing 10 games over 500 and number two in the conference or, or, or not number two in the conference, but finishing, uh, I believe it was, what was their seat in the conference, Eric? I forget. Was it uh, or, or, or Bryson? It was, True. so they did finish two. Okay. Yep. So, um, gosh, I, I mean, <laughs> goes to show you like, what an effort by this If team baseball to to had, if baseball had a bowl game, it's the same year. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And, and I don't think that's understated Bryson men's golf. Um, you know, again, we've seen more successful seasons for men's golf, but they had some pretty key moments this year.
2: Didn't they? Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, what the, uh, it's the, they, the one, two, three finish at the Hartford Hawks, Invite. Oh my God. I'm saying, oh, yes. It's not, so, it's but, not, okay. It's not, it's not mean. You keep that Every time I ask there.
3: Bryson, Jeff, he starts by saying, oh, yes. Jeff,
2: <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, you are teeing me up to answer the question like that. It's the tee ups. I'm telling you, it's, it's what you say. Okay. So, um, a lot of the memorable performances from men's golf this season came very early on highlights of which are the one, two, three performance that they had. Um, like you two, three UCF nights finished one, two, three individually in the Hartford Hawks invite back in September, like absolutely amazing start of the year. The problem is is they couldn't really carry it over into the spring, but that said, what really think I? What I really think saved them this season was a fourth place finish in the American Athletic Championship, where they had six under par as a team. Without that champ, without that performance, they're not going to make a regional because the way the the, way, the place that they were ranked in the in the golf stat, there was one team that was ranked ahead of them, Iowa, I believe, that did not make it to a regional as a team. UCF men's golf did, and I think that momentum that that last bit of oomph on there on the American got in the American championship, got them in. And I, after a season where they definitely didn't have the best of times they, they managed to, to pull it out in the end and have a, an overall fairly successful season, I would say, or at least in terms of where they were men's team of the year, nominees, football,
3: baseball, men's golf. And now we get to the big award of the night women's team of the year. This was a banner year. For women's sports at UCF, how appropriate 50th anniversary of title IX happens actually happened today. Uh, as you record this on Friday or, or it's, it's now Friday since so it's past midnight, but Thursday, June 23rd. Um, and we have five teams that all had great years, women's basketball, softball, track, volleyball, and golf. Um, Bryson, I want to start with you and give you a chance to redeem yourself one more time. Okay. uh women's golf they uh you know again like we said just model of consistency under Emily Marin didn't win the conference but got to the NCAAs again
2: indeed indeed you almost did it again it's all right different terminology it's different terminology so it doesn't count <laughs> it's a different terminology so it doesn't count yes so this season like they were much more consistent in terms of the women's golf, like Camille Banzette, Tenrata Pinnon, and Zoe Alo, and Jess Baker as well had her moments as well. They were a, they, they, they were a very consistent team that managed, that managed to get consistent results. Tenrata Pinnin became the, of course, became the fourth uh, UCF women's golfer ever to get an individual win in a win joining Ashley Holder, Liz Early, and Kristen Putnam. And Zoe Alo, of course, bursting onto the scene as a freshman. And then Camille Banzette doing a, having, a, having a good season as well. And Jess Baker, who was competing at the Women's Amateur, by the way, in, Brit- in Britain and doing quite well there. Um, she also had her moment. She was more hit and miss, but they, but they did well. And Laura Collado and Alyssa Lomero, unfortunately, in their last seasons, Uh, They they had some good like good singles performances here and there, but they didn't really quite put it together. But the good news is, is that it's a they score four or five when you play golf. So so the women's golf, you're able to kind of have if you have one player that has a bit of a bad performance, the rest of the team can pick you up. And that's what this women's golf team the team did, especially since they swept player of the year and freshman of the year in the American. So model of consistency, a well done year. And I can't wait to see what they do next year with the transfer, the two transfers that they're bringing in.
3: Kyle Nash, I want you to talk about women's basketball and the historic season that they have.
1: Absolutely. I mean, even the players themselves and coach Abe call it iconic, um, what they did to be seated higher than any other women's basketball program. Um, uh, getting seventh and doing all that and, and making the noise. We've talked about how they made simplicity of Florida. We talked about how they're foul shots away from beating the juggernaut that is the UConn program and all the other things they did too as well with Masdy Kaba scoring a thousand points uh, to cap her career, having a game where uh, Alicia Lewis had 10 steals, all sorts of uh, nights that were historic uh, for the team and individuals as well. Coach Abe will go down in history for this year here on. And and you know, it's unfortunate uh for the fans that the uh program was completely gutted, even right down to their assistant. We came to find out. Shout out man. D- you'll
3: do great Born down to the studs, man. Oh my god. Hey, 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 Kyle's still here,
0: right? You're still here, right, Kyle?
1: Uh, depends on you. No, I'm kidding.
4: George <laughs> <laughs> is gonna sign him away.
1: Um, hey, listen! I'm, I'm 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 I got Greek ancestry, and they went to Athens. It's very confusing. I see why you're worried, but anyways, uh, all of the performance that they have, um, such a versatile team, and just the fantastic story of what they were building uh, on on what was a successful year despite pandemic in uh, in 2020, and 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 having to deal with all that. Um, just what a remarkable, iconic group that this women's basketball team was.
3: I'm going to make the case for UCF volleyball this year, 27 and 7, fourth consecutive conference championship victories over the likes of Clemson, Florida State nearly beat Georgia. They beat Miami uh, plowed through the conference season um, over one stretch. This is this is really remarkable going back and looking at this. They went, let's see, three, four, five, six matches without losing a set. Then went five against Cincinnati, and then went another six matches without losing a single set. Made it all, won the conference championship. Made it all the way to the NCAA second round, where they came so close against UCLA they could taste it in poly Pavilion. Um, a truly a, a a year that almost flew under the radar. How good they were. They become so consistently awesome that we take them for granted. Miketa Melda, we can talk about her, you know, for you know, for uh, from here on to the end. The job that Todd Dajene, Jenny Mauer, Brian Doyen, and the entire staff at UCF have done is nothing short of remarkable. They continue to they just I I it's funny, I was I I John Evans and I. Uh, went over to see a a spring practice at UCF and we said, and it was right around when softball was, uh, was finishing up their conference season. So we caught a little bit of practice, talked to Todd, talked to Jenny for a little bit. And, you know, we, and, and, you know, we asked, and he kind of said, Hey, that, you know, are you going over to softball? He's like, that might be the best team on campus. I'm like, do you respect softball? Best team on campus is the one you're looking at right now. They've won four consecutive championships. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, That's a good point. So my vote will, you know, I, I'm very hard pressed. You're going to, okay. I'll let Eric Lopez try and talk me out of that by making the case for softball.
0: Oh (laughs) yes, That's very easy. Oh yes. Ladies and gentlemen with respect, by the way, in all fairness, let's again, emphasize this. We did this at the open. Everybody we've talked to about here tonight or this episode. Amazing. Can we agree on that? Like, I don't want to, I hate it because some people yeah, like, man, you're really knocking so-and-so. No, we're, just, we're having some fun. Everybody was incredible.
1: In other years, these are teams worthy. Absolutely. And
0: Jeff, you made a great point about the 50-year anniversary. I mean, this is maybe the greatest year in We should do like success. the Peabody Awards where you don't pick one yeah. winner. You simply decide
3: like this team is worthy of the award or By not, the way, right? I'm okay.
0: And I know we don't do this, but I'm okay if there's ties here for awards in some of these because I'm just going to say that. All right. So let me just get that out of the way. With that being said, Hello. Let's talk UCF softball, ladies and gentlemen, who transcended UCF. People that didn't follow UCF softball followed UCF softball. It started opening day. Boom! Walk-off win over Georgia. Boom! Walk-off win over Ole Miss. Boom! Beat Texas in Clearwater. Boom! Win the American Conference regular season title. Boom! Sweep South Florida and Tampa. And the best pitcher in the planet, Georgina Cork, who won Pitcher of the Year, by the way, Boom, swept them and beat them in the championship game. Run ruled their ass. Beat Wichita State two out of three on the road there. Win the tournament. Host a regional. Go in there and beat Michigan. Not once, but twice. Beat them as bad as Ohio State football beats Michigan every other year, basically, uh, in football. That's how bad they beat them. And the only reason why softball didn't make the Women's College World Series is, is because they literally ran into the greatest softball team that's probably ever played in Oklahoma, which is better than any UConn women's basketball team ever, ever. Like Oklahoma can beat the Yankees right now. That's how good that Sooners softball team. If UCF gets anybody else in the draw in the Super Regionals. I don't know about that. They are in the world series. They got better pitching than the Yankees, in my opinion. Okay. But uh, at least a better coach than Aaron <laughs> Boone. But anyway, sorry, Murph. I, mean, I know the Yankees are having a great year. Uh. It's a historic team, and the thing was crazy to me. People followed it that weren't softball fans. The news the news, news, people were at these practices. It really was tra- – it was the closest thing I – kind of similar to 2017 football. A lot of dramatic moments, memorable moments that people just got caught up in as time went on. So congrats to us. Thank you very much. Mike, drop. I think they're
3: the favorite. I'm just going to say that right now. My favorite dark horse, however, Bryson Turner. I'm going to let you discuss, and that is track and field. Who pulled the double?
2: They did. They did indeed, it, Jeff. And w- I mean, I look. I looked this up by the way, as we were talking. This team, um, Dana Boone's talking about how she likes to make little bits of history with her program. They did that this season by setting 11 school records between indoor and outdoor track this year. 11 they they went they, we talked about how Renaya Jones like broke out last year and she took so many bannies it wasn't even it was it was amazing and but she brought the rest of the team with her this this season Latash Latasha Smith Adrian Adams Ashira Collins came came back as came back as well Brittany Floyd i mean the uh, the, the performances out of are continued continued and it, it, it boggles my mind. And then, of course, doubling for the first time since 2013. Dana Boone has brought this program back to that to that time. And it took a while. It took almost a decade. But it was well worth it to see athletes like Raniya, Ashira, Latasha and the, the relay teams are absolutely just absolutely insane and i think we we, honestly i would have a much better case to give for this team if the four by 400 relay team and the and latasha smith for the 400 made it to eugene in the 400 meters which didn't happen due again due to illness i blame get blame disease for the fact that we did not see these talented women in eugene i think they are going to be there next year and i think coach boone is going to really push them to do to do that but they still kept making school history there is more than just ranaya to this track program and this season absolutely proved it 11 school records and i'm excited to see if there's going to be more next time
3: your women's team of the year nominees to wrap it up. Women's basketball, softball, track, volleyball, and golf.
0: Very historic, um, by the way. This week We might look back when you yeah. do the archives years from now. It's the greatest women's basketball team ever in UCF. Mm-hmm. The greatest softball team in UCF history. I think it's the second best track and field team ever behind only 2013. And this young, this track is super young. Maybe the greatest volleyball team in D1 era, Jeff. I mean, it's this MIT, right? Maybe and golf. Oh, by the way, golf was real strong too. You know, but it got to another regional. We're looking at some history. Got to another regional. Everyone was like, eh, yeah, yeah. this is a historic year," and I would steal Kyle's word, "Iconic," perhaps even to describe it. Hey, with
3: this, so we finally made it.
2: Hey, yeah. women's tennis was solid too. Literally, uh, like it, uh, um, almost every women's sport would have what they call a a, a exceptional season. It's absolutely insanity. Except Rowan. wow I'm still mad about that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Thanks for thanks for getting us to here's the end. Matt, Listen, he wanted to go to rowing in Sarasota. That's what he wanted. Here's how here's how this is going to break down. All right, so now you've heard all the nominations, you've heard all of our cases for them. We are going to post two awards every day with the with these nominations, all right? You the fan get to vote on them on blackandgoldbanneret.com. Make sure you vote on each of them. We will also vote on the awards individually, and then you, the fans, whoever, whoever wins the fan vote will get one vote. And if there is a tie for a vote, the fan vote, whoever gets the fan vote, that serves as the tiebreaker. So, make sure you follow us at UCF Banneret underscore SBN, Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret, and of course, Black and Gold your home for UCF sports on the SB Nation Network. It's going to be a busy couple of weeks for us. We're in the dog days of summer, but we're going to blow out the bannies this year, and it's totally happening. So, thank you so much for bearing, bearing through us. Gentlemen, thank you for your incredible insight, the arguments. We tried to get through this as quickly as we could. There are so many awards, there are so many people that we want to honor and thank for this wild season that we had at UCF. We just couldn't. It, it, it. I know it took a while, but you know something. It was worth it, right? You don't
1: rush so, perfection, Jeff. No, you don't.
3: It has been indeed, as Bryson Turner has said, a historic year. So, for all of us here at Black and Gold Banneret, for Eric Lopez, Eric lopez Elo on Twitter, for Kyle Nash, the Student of the Game, the SOTG on Twitter, for it's Bryson Turner on Twitter, Bryson Turner, and for Stat Drew on Twitter, Andrew Glukov. I am Jeff underscore Sharon. Also, Jeff Sharon on Twitter, Jeff underscore Sharon on Twitter. I am Jeff Sharon saying thank you so much for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret 2022 award nomination show. A couple of weeks, we will announce the winners on blackandgoldbanneret.com. Until then, folks, enjoy your weekend. Don't forget to vote. Keep an eye on us for all these awards as we go. Thank you again, folks. Enjoy. Have a great weekend.